Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Catapult Podcast. Tonight, with our reoccurring guest, Raginife. Hello. Uh, well, I mean, you've been here a few times. Do you want to introduce yourself again? <laughs> uh, fair enough, I might as well. So, yeah, uh, I'm Drakunifil. For those of you who don't know, I run the YouTube channel of the same name. Um, obviously focusing on naval history up till 1950. And uh, since they've brought out a new line of capital ships, particularly British battlecruisers, uh, I guess my return was somewhat inevitable. <laughs> Yep, definitely. I think we have said in the past, whenever they are going to release British battlecruisers, we need to get you back. Yes. Uh, you work particularly hard to, to, to persuade, I have to say, Drac, this time. <laughs> British battlecruisers, and you were like, when do you want me? <laughs> yes, pretty much. Oh, dear. Now, World of Warships has actually two, like they've announced it in two parts, sort of with two dev blocks. So we mm. switch between those two, but in the newest one is actually the lowest one, like the tier three that I can't pronounce. So for me, it's like the impronounceable. Yes, the indefatigable. Okay. I don't know what it is. No one, I like, no one who is lives outside of the UK seems able to pronounce that word, which is bizarre. For, I mean, for me, it's bizarre looking from the out, inside out, but. I suppose everybody else probably looks at us equally strange. I suppose it is. It's a more complicated collection of sounds than the most. People, yes, I suppose. We were, I mean, we were looking up the meaning last week, and uh, mm. I had to admit I couldn't quite define it. So it's, it's it essentially means tireless for those people that are wondering what the word actually means. Yeah, kind of t tireless in the face of opposition. Mm. Um, yeah, I. I mean. If you, if you've seen my um, naval engineering disasters video, you'll know I hate the indefatigable with the power of a thousand burning suns. Um, <laughs> so when I saw it at tier three, I was like, "Well, there's one I'm going to free XP pass." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you cannot imagine how much I hate that ship. Um, well, what is that turret arrangement called, by the way? I know it has a specific name, and I was trying it's, to remember. It's um, an echelon. That's it. Yes. Yeah, the um, I, I, I when I saw it come up, I was like, "Why?" And then I realised, of course, uh, when we had the British battleships, we had the Bellerophon as the tier three, not Dreadnought. So my suspicion is that the Indefatigable is here at tier three because they're keeping Invincible for a tier three premium at some point. That because is quite possible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Invincible's the first battle cruiser. It's basically almost the same as Indefatigable, but actually better, weirdly. Um, so the the reason the the main difference between the Indefatigable and the Invincible class, from a visual perspective, is that they made the Indefatigables a little bit longer to give those two cr uh, wing turrets a bit more crossfiring capability. Because uh, the problem with the Invincibles in real life, which isn't reflected in World of Warships, is that unless you basically had all the guns at a perfect broadside, any angle slightly off of that, and the blast effects on the deck and superstructure were quite bad. So with the Indefatigable, they tried to, as I make it longer, so it had a bit more of an arc to play with. In-game, basically, the difference is going to be the Invincible just have slightly narrower firing arcs. Um the problem and the reason why I hate the Indefatigables, and particularly Indefatigable itself, is that in stretching the ship, they didn't stretch the armor with it. So Invincible has a six-inch belt fore to aft um, across its vitals. 
which, I mean, is not brilliant. Um, it's okay for what its job was, hunting cruisers armed with six-inch guns. Um, but that's probably not going to be worth much of anything, to be honest, in World of Warships. But indefatigable, instead of stretching the belt to six inches the whole way, they kept the six inches over the machinery spaces and over the center turrets, but the uh, if they're modeling it accurately, the belt armor over the fore and aft turrets is only four inches. Why? Why did they do that? Was it like a weight problem? It was basically, yeah, it was a budget thing to save weight. Because when they were considering what to build as the second generation battle cruisers, Admiral Fisher wanted to build a design that would basically be HMS Lion with a few minor differences. And he was told, no, that's too big and expensive. We're just going to repeat the previous one. And so we want basically they wanted it on about the same displacement for about the same cost. Um, people on, were already looking at Invincible going, yeah, I'm not so sure about those cross-firing angles. And so they went, OK, well, we'll improve that. But you know, we don't want to spend the extra money and put in the extra weight for a longer six-inch belt. So less armor on uh new zealand and australia which are the other two indefatigable class they actually did increase the that end belt admittedly only to five inches but you know it's it's better than four <laughs> so um that's why when, when people look at jutland and people would point at indefatigable blowing up i kind of point out indefatigable is going to blow up whatever happened the minute that thing got hit it was basically an xp pinata for the high seas fleet waiting to happen So basically, well, the know, ship didn't perform so well in, in actual combat. No, it, it went to Jutland and it went boom. It was the they, first they battle cruiser to so go that boom. They could farm some detonation flags? Yes. Too, too soon? Too soon? Uh, actually, that's not a bad idea. I do need a few more detonation <laughs> flags. I might keep one around just for those purposes. I mean, especially considering this is the site, this is the tier where you've got things like Agincourt. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, seems... take it. Take it indefatigable against Agincourt or it's, um, what else they've announced, the new um, Rio de Janeiro, which is basically Agincourt reskinned and restarted. Um, which is weird because they've made it slightly better than Agincourt and everything other than the secondary battery, even though it's the earlier iteration of it when it mm. still belonged to Brazil. But nonetheless, you know, you get 14 guns firing at you. One of those is going to find a magazine at your fore or after. <laughs> hey, free detonation flags for all. Oh, I probably should point out it being tier three. I think you would have to fail div to be at tier fives. I think. I can't mm -hmm. remember. It's been so long since I've played any tier threes. I can't remember if you see tier fives, but I don't think you do. I mean, I'm just used to the three tier spread. So Yeah, at, yeah, at lower maybe. tiers, the, the spread is different. Oh, uh, okay. Shows you how long it's been since I went into the lower tiers. But, you know, in, in any case, to be honest, anything. I mean, even um, even the US battleships... Uh, the US Tier 4 turret farm will quite happily pop this thing. I mean, anything's going to pop it. It's just a matter of statistically how many shells are you going get, to get on target. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for, for people who are just coming into the game, Indefatigable may be something of an unwelcome <laughs> introduction, shall we say. I mean, to be fair, they won't spend a lot of time at Tier 3 anyway. No, it's true. It's true. but. Yeah, not not terribly impressed. <laughs> well, then up at tier four, we go mm -hmm. to the Queen Mary. Yes. Now this this one I am a lot a lot more fond of. So we skipped Lion and Princess Royal 
But to be fair, Queen Mary is just a slightly, slightly uh, improved version of them. So it's not doesn't make too much of. She's got the same gun layout for the main battery. She's got slightly improved secondary battery. Um, I notice in the in testing that they've actually given her uh, in the the modified hull format. She has some anti-aircraft. Not a lot, but you know, at least at least when an aircraft comes past, you can hear someone going daka 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 instead of the ominous silence of a completely unarmed <laughs> ship. You might shoot um, down some fighters. Yeah. Um, so obviously, she's got thirteen point five inch guns, uh, along with Lion and Princess Royal. She's got this Q turret, so she's got two forward turrets, one turret at the back, and then one turret in the amidships. So a little bit more restricted firing arcs. If you're being chased, you will only have one turret available unless you do some uh, slalom-style evasion. Speed's not too bad, um, again, in playtesting. Uh, this is the other interesting thing. Um, this entire line does have its torpedoes. Um, obviously, yes, Indefatigable is not currently in testing. Queen Mary is. She has broadside, a pair of broadside torpedo launchers, which is... I mean, you've only got one torpedo, and it's got a very restricted, almost broadside arc. But it is very funny, especially at low tiers, when people don't expect you to have any. Yeah, there's, there's always that thing with a new ship line that's got some new thing that yeah. people don't know yet. But, uh, but yeah. I, I presume she's going to get like the torpedo turning mechanic. They think that they're testing this only with, with mm. a few of the British, like the, the newer ones. But I presume the whole line will get this feature. Possibly. I mean, I didn't. I didn't notice any torpedo turning. But um, yeah, in, in testing. I mean, the first the first game I took it out in, I got six kills, including two cruisers which I torpedoed, which was absolutely hilarious. You know, people people going, "Oh yes, look at the silly capital ship coming in for close action. Its turrets can't track me if I speed down its side." It's like, no, no, they can't. My torpedo, on the other hand. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm I, I, I from the limited gameplay I've got with it. I am actually quite enjoying it. I think it's a very good entry at tier four. Um, I mean, it's it, it's the com its companion in the British battleship line is the Orion, um, which is you know uh, Queen Mary is not quite the contemporary of the Orion. It's a contemporary of the King George the uh the World War One King George the but it's near enough as makes no difference perfectly fine it's it's there's no i say there's not a great deal of material difference between lion princess royal and queen mary and there's not a huge difference between the orions and the king george V outside of some secondary battery details so she's a perfectly good entry i think people will enjoy her a lot lot more than indefatigable um obviously she is a british battle cruiser at the lower tiers so nine inches of armor at best so don't be expecting to bounce anything unless you're at an extreme angle but then again, it's tier four, so unless you're in really, really bad straits, you shouldn't be worrying about that too much. Yeah, yeah generally speaking, accuracy at the lower tiers is kind of purposefully less good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Make things a bit more survivable. But there's still plenty of HE spam around as well, still. Yeah, and she packs a fairly solid punch. I mean, she's got, the, obviously, the British, the British AP shells, so, um, again... In, in what testing I've got, obviously, that will be a work in progress. Um, she does seem to be able to pop things quite quite happily. I haven't had many overpens, uh, which is not something I can say about some of the later ships, but we'll get onto those when we get onto those. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, that, uh, for it, it, it's nice that you got tier three, tier four. They're both historical ships, and whatever my personal feelings about the tier three might be, and probably actually a Queen Mary, a fairly solid candidate for for tier four. It does. I think just looking at the like the, the sheer number of variations mm. and um, slight differences, it, it's. I think there's always going to be someone somewhere that's like, oh, I wish they'd had this ship or that ship instead. Yes. Well, I mean, you can you can make a case for all three of the so well four of the so-called splendid cats, which is bizarre because only two of them were actually named after felines. But never mind, because uh, Lion is of course the flagship at Jutland. Well, it's the Beatty's flagship, it's the battle cruiser flagship throughout the most of the war. Um, Princess Royal's probably got the weakest case, except that it's probably the of the four ships it's the one that comes out with the best record in terms of it does a fairly decent job of itself and it doesn't get itself horribly mauled the way that lion and tiger do um queen mary is of course famous because she blew up at jutland uh, but before she blew up she was probably the best shooting of the british battle cruisers and she's you know if you're if you're going to go for a, a an original version splendid cat with Q turret, she's probably the best one to go for, which I think is why they've gone for her. Um, and then after that, you get onto what they've decided to put at tier five. <laughs> I should I should point out at this this stage as well that there's always some amount of like if you've got multiple ships of a class that had some mm. differences, wargaming usually does a little fudging between the lines in terms of um, I mean, things like. The Fuso we have in game isn't actually Fuso, for example. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of take elements from the different ships of the class. He says, "Yeah, yeah." So, Fuso and Yamashiro. Uh, so yeah. some of these might not be like you know, the Queen Mary might not exactly match with actual HMS Queen Mary stuff. Yeah, like well, let's say she's got she's got this two like with most of the Lotus stuff. She's got um, most well, everything up to tier ten. She's got two hulls. Mm-hmm. The original hull is a little bit closer to realistic. The uh, secondary hull basically has a Lion Dash Princess Royal 1918-1919 anti-aircraft fit for all that that's worth, mm-hmm. but it actually at least it exists. But of course, she wasn't around in 1918-19, so historically she didn't have that AA fit. But it, it's, it's forgivable; it's not massively outlandish. So on to uh, tier five, which is Infamous Tiger. Yes, Ashmus Tiger. So she's the last of the Splendid Cats. The main difference between her and the previous ones, apart from slightly redistributed armor scheme, is that um, her secondary batteries in now backing casements doesn't make the blindest bit of difference in game. But um, you'll notice Queen Mary has all of hers in the superstructure, um, which is a little bit of a little bit of an annoyance from a historical perspective because casement mounted guns are pretty useless in high seas but regardless um her main visual distinction is that that you've now got all of the turrets in something approximating the more traditional layout so you they basically swapped the location of the aft boiler space and the q turret so you now have an x turret the it's not quite super firing because like the congos it's they're the two aft turrets are quite spaced out but you now have, you know, two turrets forward, bridge, funnels, and then two turrets aft, even with this big spacing. So well, was um, there was there like a reason to change turret location? Was the older system just 
not performing so well? Yeah, well, there's a number of problems um, with having a midships turrets generally. Uh, one of which is that when it comes to firing big guns at long range, even things like what temperature your shells are and what temperature your propellant is going into the gun, and you might think it you know, it shouldn't make much of a difference. It's going up to thousands of degrees when we pull the trigger anyway. But it does make a difference. You know, if, if your shells and cordite are going in at, let's say, arbitrarily 15 degrees in your forward turrets, and they're going in at 25 degrees in your middle turret, then those guns are going to shoot different uh, different range. Um, the tray shells will travel a different distance, and it throws your accuracy off. And the reason the middle turrets are a problem is, you can see on Queen Mary, the turret sits between two, bo uh, two funnels, which means it's sitting between two boiler spaces, which means if you want that magazine to be the same temperature as the magazines fore and aft, you either have to insulate it like anything, or you have to refrigerate it, or both. And that can be quite difficult, because of course, you don't want to overdo it either, because you don't want it to end up colder because you have the same issues. Um, and very, very few people who ever went with a midship's turrets ever managed to make that work completely. Um, it's actually one of, the, one of the reasons why the Americans managed to persuade their um, Secretary of the Navy to go from the 12-gun the tw turret farms um, with Utah and Arkansas and so forth and they managed to persuade them to go from that to the 10-gun layout on Texas and New York, and then from that to the 10-gun layout, um, but with four and a half turrets instead of an amidships turret on um, the Nevadas, because on the 12-inch ships, they were having these problems of, you know, machinery spaces four and after the central magazines, they couldn't get them, the refrigeration system working properly. Um so it, it helps it helps get all the machinery spaces in one place, which technically can be a bad thing if they take a torpedo hit, but that's what subdivision is for. Um so but it it makes your magazine supply easier, it makes your magazine insulation easier, and it also actually makes your gunnery easier because I mean, okay, on the Congos and Tigers it's not fantastic. Apologies, I'll put make sure that's not silent. Um because the aft turrets are still quite spaced out, but they're not as spaced out as they were before. So the shell grouping is a little bit better, a bit closer to what the um, forward turrets should be like. As Fu pointed out in the chat as well, there was definitely an element of, uh, like, uh, this, this is how we've been doing things up until now, so let's keep doing these things. Yeah, I mean, as an approximately rough rule of thumb, it's not an actual design choice because the Splendid Cats are all significantly longer and larger than their corresponding battleships. But as a very broad brush rule of thumb, the corresponding battle cruiser to the corresponding battleship class was basically delete a turret, add more machinery. Therefore, we go far and take off a bit of armor, and therefore we go faster. And the Orions, King George V's, and Iron Dukes all had ten guns, so they had two forward one in the middle, two aft. And when you look at a cro uh, side profile of any of the, of Lion, Princess Royal or Queen Mary against an Orion or a um, King George V, you actually, you can see 
effectively how someone has just gone, okay, well, we'll remove the super firing aft turret and put some more machinery in that location. That's where the, that funnel's kind of coming in. Um, and then we've, we're, we're going quicker. So this is good. Whereas, you know, after the issues that we just discussed came up, they're like, okay, maybe maybe we want a, a slightly more conventional layout that most other people are going for. Um, Tiger and Congo, which is obviously the Tier 5 Japanese battleship, actually were built at almost the same time. There's a lot of there's a lot of sometimes you see people going around saying oh one was a copy of the other they either say depending on who you ask some people will say Tiger is a British Congo some people say Congo is a is a Japanese Tiger um, they're both wrong actually <laughs> uh, they happen to look similar and they happen to be built at the same time it's true and they even happen to have guns that within half an inch caliber of each other but that's because they were both British designs. <laughs> you know, Congo was the Japanese going to the British and saying, we want a battle cruiser. And, you know, the British shipyards coming back and saying, well, this is kind of the best we can do at the moment. Do you want it? And the Japanese going, yeah, sure. And shockingly enough, when the Royal Navy is building the battle cruisers, they're going with the best they can do at the time. So hence the layout is very similar, just with, as I say, with a slightly different caliber of main gun. Um, so the, in a way they do have a common origin, but it's a common origin of it's roughly the same people designing the ships. Uh, it's not that they're cribbing notes from one to the other. Yeah, that makes sense. You, you sort mm. of see the same, um, same thing with kind of, uh, Italian and some Russian ship designs with the. With the destroyers and stuff. Italian yeah. influences, but not necessarily, you know. Yeah. Like things being copied necessarily. Yeah, and, and Tiger actually of all the ships we've we've covered so far, albeit there's three, Tiger is the one that has the longest lifespan up to this tier. Because obviously Queen Mary blows up at Jutland, the other two, uh, Lion and Princess Royal, are put in reserve and then scrapped shortly after World War One as a result of the London Naval Treaty. The surviving indefatigables are uh, Australia and New Zealand are scrapped shortly after with the Washington Naval Treaty as well. Um, ironically enough, also Ty <laughs> Queen Mary and Indefatigable both exploded at Jutland. Um, so Tiger survives Jutland, and Tiger is actually kept around until the early 1930s when she's decommissioned. She basically, her last job is standing in for Hood when Hood goes in for a refit, and then she comes, and then once Hood back out into the fleet, Tiger is scrapped. And uh, that's the end of of her, of the thirteen point five inch gun in Royal Navy service, at least in frontline service. Iron Duke is still around in the Second World War, but as a training ship. Yeah, I think that that's maybe a lesser known fact to to some people. I mean, it was only relatively mm -hmm. recently that I, like, last like, year mm -hmm. or two ago, and I was like, oh, wait, Iron Duke was around still at that point. Yep, the Luftwaffe almost sank her. Um, but she ran ashore uh, at its own, was later refloated. Um, Centurion as well, actually, was also around, but in an even more dilapidated state than Iron Duke. Centurion actually ended up being expended as part of the artificial harbours that were created at on D-Day with a bunch of other obsolete ships. But yeah, Iron Duke, as the flagship of the Grand Fleet at Jutland, was kind of kept around in Scapa Flow, as I beached initially after the Luftwaffe bombed her and then later refloated, um, also used as a decoy 
amongst other things, the the Royal Navy had quite a lot of fun dressing up Iron Duke <laughs> and uh, a few other merchant ships pretending to be more modern battleships and the occasional aircraft carrier just to play with the Germans' heads. It actually did a fairly convincing job as well. If you look at some of the photos, you know, if you if you if you just take a glance at it, you'd go, "Oh yeah, that's a King George V class battleship," or "That's HMS Hermes." And it's only when you take a second look, you're like, "Hang on a minute, that's not a warship hull." That you realise it's you know, an oil tanker yeah. or something dressed up. Um, and obviously, in the case of Iron Duke, it is actually a warship hull. It's just a slightly smaller warship hull. <laughs> that, that, that is something I think the the British were probably better at than a lot of their contemporaries was that kind of informational deception and warfare. Yeah, they were very sneaky. Period. <laughs> and yeah. it's probably very hard to spot the details from like the cockpit of a plane yes. in, in World War II. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean we've all we've all seen copies of uh, the aerial recon photos that were taken. They're not exactly, you know, 4K 100% in focus etc. <laughs> it's kind of like, well, it's got it's it's a slightly pointy blur with this many turrets of with maybe this many guns on each turret therefore it's this so you didn't really have to push the boat out too far i mean considering that in the desert and, and before d-day they were also able to full aerial recon with inflatable tanks which i'm fairly sure don't look anything like the real thing up close didn't they they also had um they kind of did the opposite as well sometimes they would dress tanks up as trucks, trucks yes yeah, especially half tracks, which meant made the disguising of the lowest half even easier. Well, I mean, if you consider even things like um, like misidentification was uh, a, a pretty common thing anyway. I mean, mm. it, like the number of tiger tanks people reported engaging versus actual tiger tanks, that, you know. The, that, that, you know, sort of with subsequent investigation turned out to be like Panzer Falls or something like that. Yes. You know, if, if you're in the middle of, of a battle and someone's shooting at you, you know, you, you tend to assume it's the biggest, scariest thing you can imagine. And even in, in naval terms, you know, you have uh, the, uh, was it the Fleet Air Arm or the Royal Air Force that had to go up one of the cruisers that was shadowing the Bismarck because they thought mm. it was the Bismarck from the air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fleet Air. The, yeah. When the Fleet Air Arm, they went after HMS Sheffield. Yes, that was it, Sheffield. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they were very, very lucky that they were using magnetic detonators on their torpedoes that turned out to be hilariously faulty they basically either detonated on contact with the water or not at all which meant that sheffield was actually fairly safe even though if they didn't know it at the time so in a weird way although they didn't make them very popular with sheffield's crew it kind of worked out for the best because it meant that the aircraft could then turn around go back to arc royal and say oh these aren't working put the old contact detonators back in before they went off after bismarck um I'm sure that wasn't much consolation to the crew of the, the Sheffield being used as uh, target practice. No, I mean they, they kind. It's it's weird depending on which which crew account from Sheffield you read. Some of them seem to have gotten over it a lot faster than others, and certainly, um, certainly the command staff seem to have taken it in relatively good humour once they realised they weren't going to die. Mm -hmm. Because um, when when the second strike from Ark Royal went off. They came across Sheffield again, and a bunch because it was low visibility. A bunch of them actually flew down to Sheffield to ask where Bismarck was, and Sheffield the second time was like, "They're over there." 
Anyway, we, we've got a little yeah. sidetrack. So uh, at tier six, we have, Renown. in my eyes, the best looking model of the bunch by far. Oh, yes. Renown. Yeah. Yeah. This, this model is going to make an awful lot of people very happy um, because this is, of course, the refitted Renown because we already have Repulse at tier six as a premium. Um, Repulse in her older format. She wasn't, she wasn't, she was semi-modernized in the interwar period so she's not in her world war one format she does have some aa defense and so forth but the um renown had a full modernization and this this is fully modernized renown so she's going to have a lot more capable aa battery than repulse um she has those um pancaked i call them pancake turrets um dual 4.5 inch guns and um that is going to be a fairly common feature going forward <laughs> because that was basically the standard British refit anti-aircraft gun for capital ships. The 5.25 was for new ships, but the all the refits got the 4.5, which, um, to my mind, arguably was actually a better weapon system for World War II, but never mind. I'm sure we've had this discussion previously as regards to carriers or something. I can't yeah. remember, but yeah, the absolute sort of uh, plethora of differences in terms of uh, secondary armament supply to, to, to different ships as the war went on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the 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 4.5 pancake turret was, as I say, it was basically it was in, actually invented for use on British aircraft carriers, like you mentioned, first, first deployed on Ark Royal. Um, so it's the primary anti-aircraft and anti-surface armament of aircraft carriers that the British builds are the illustriouses, the infatigables. Actually, even the audaciouses have them, uh, at least to start with. Mm. Um, but when they were refitting ships, so Renown, um, Valiant, and Queen Elizabeth, not Warswipe, because Warswipe was slightly was basically the first one to be modernised, so they hadn't quite worked out what they wanted to do with the, the modernisation programme yet. Um, but, so yeah, Renown, Queen Elizabeth, and Valiant, they all had these 4.5-inch guns fitted as their anti-aircraft equipment um the turrets were slightly lighter slightly easier to fit than the 5.25s which was probably a good thing anyway as i say in, in world war ii they probably actually performed a bit better and you could have five of them per side as opposed to four per side on with the 5.25s you know if if, if any of the others like hood etc had had their refits they would have had almost almost certainly the 4.5 as well and actually, the the gun, if not the mounting, uh, then went on to form the basis of the 4.5-inch that was used on late-war British destroyers. So if you're playing high-tier British destroyers, that 4.5-inch gun is near enough the same gun, just in a different turret. That's and the tier 9 and tier 10, I think. Yeah, the daring and the battle. Jutland. Yeah, the Jutland. Um, and then in a, a real, real uh, sort of ongoing legacy... That 4.5-inch gun, with a few minor variations, has then gone on to be the deck gun of every single Royal Navy warship up to the present day, bar the 5-inch, which they stuck on the Type 45s. So the Type 23s that are still in service and the Type 42s that were in service up until a few years ago, they all had the 4.5-inch gun, as did all their predecessors. <laughs> it's interesting the, the kind of the legacy some of these weapons have, have had, like how long-lasting... Mm. Being. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, the Americans are in a similar situation with. I mean, their 
their long barrel five inch as opposed to five inch 38 which is what most of their stuff has in in gaming and in world war ii um, but the long barrel five inch that you see on some of the later higher tier ships in game again is kind of the basis of the five inch gun that to this day they're still using <laughs> because if, it's, if it doesn't break yeah if it's not broke don't fix it so they uh just uh, stick an auto loader on it and call it a day Yes, they are a bit faster firing these days. I yes. was the video of these things being test fired, they really pump out the rounds. Yeah, but I think Renown for me is definitely going to be one of those ones I'm going to be keeping. Oh yeah, that, that, it just it just looks fantastic. It, it's just one of those certain models in the game mm-hmm. just end up like I, I guess they they just end up being really good representations of the ships, or else they just end up being. Uh, I, I don't know. They just have some quality, and if it turns out to be fun to play as well, that'll be a bonus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one the one thing is obviously, like Repulse, she's only got six guns. Mm-hmm. So she's got six fifteen-inch guns. Should do all right. Um, her armor layout will also be very slightly different to Repulse's, but you know, modernized fire control, modernized AA. She should actually be overall a slightly better ship than repulse and again if although she's not in game for testing at the moment but if she's following the line that every other british battlecruiser that is in the game for testing at the moment is following then she will have torpedoes which repulse doesn't um so i I suspect that the the sort of why would you ever buy repulse as the premium it will probably be because as you probably know repulse is an absolute speed demon (laughs) oh yes so Renown will probably be slightly saner in terms of her speed, and Repulse will just be the speedboat. I also wouldn't be surprised if Renown is less accurate. Which would be very weird, because obviously she is the fully modernized ship with mm. all the radar and everything, so she should be the mo- more accurate, but... but that's know. one of those gameplay things. We'll yes, see. that's a gameplay mechanic. <laughs> What I've been wondering when I look at the model, it looks like all of the anti-air stuck on it is, is like at the back, while it looks like there's a lot of space at the sides where one could have mounted anti-air. Is there a reason that it seems so centralized, or is it just... I, I think it may just be a, a glitch with the game model at the moment, um, because, um, yeah, if you look at the, the the photo at the moment, you can just about see a pair of Pancake 4.5s on the aft area of the the main run of the superstructure now there should be um so if you if you're going from there forward uh, mm-hmm. you can see kind of a, a dip which is where the scout aircraft launches from then there's a little build up then another dip where there's a boat there should be three more of those um ad- adjacent to the forward funnel and the bridge on this raised area um so i think that's just an incomplete model yeah, I mean these these are the work in progress models that yes. they've shared, so they might not be fully. Yeah, yeah. So there there will be there will be a uh, another there should be another three turrets on there, <laughs> and trust me, if they're not included, there will be blood. <laughs> <laughs> actually, there's a thing that posted in the chat from from Wikipedia. There we go. That actually shows the the three turrets quite clearly there. Hmm. Yeah, she she's a very very good looking ship. Now the in, the interesting thing that I'm I'm going to find is. She also had some very, very nice camo schemes that help uh, accentuate her looks, and I'm intrigued to see which one, if any, will be available. 
there there are some. I mean, I think particularly for the US, there are a couple of camo schemes I'd really like to see in the game that just aren't on any of the ships. So yeah, so sometimes mm. it it would be nice to have a wider choice for these things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've 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 seen the kind of the the grey with the blue sh- blue stripe down the side. Um, you know, for the uh, the basically where the blue stripe kind of occupies the armor. Mm-hmm. We've seen that on a on a few of the higher tier British ships. So Renown did have that, um, but she also had a really nice looking um, camo, well, semi camo scheme where basically the hull was darker and the superstructure was lighter. She had a few. There were a few dazzle camos and everything, but I I personally think that that's the best looking of the camo schemes that she ended up in because it really accentuates her lines. Well, if if previous releases are to go by, there'll be some kind of um, early access camo for mm-hmm. the line that probably won't be in any sense historical, but it'll also come out with a perma camo as well of some yeah. kind. Yeah, if they're going to do that, please, for the for the love of all things holy, finally do the British Vic- late Victorian black, white, and buff camo. Those ships would look so good in that, especially right now. <laughs> I don't know what I have to do to just get them to introduce that as a permanent, permanent, you know, <laughs> nationwide British camo scheme. But as soon as I figure out, figure it out, I will do it. It's, There's it's something. Just... I mean, that kind of exists for the heavy cruisers. Yeah, they got that white and gold one though, yeah, which is that's that, that's, that's the tropical camo scheme. But yeah, trust me, if you if you see, it's it's actually very similar to Mikasa's. Because the Japanese took influ- a lot of influence from the Royal Navy, but if you imagine Mikasa's camo, but looking even better, that's kind of what the what the British one would be. I mean, once they separate like the economics from the visuals, I still have hope that they will more widely monetize visuals and maybe bring a lot more historic camo schemes. That, that mm-hmm. would be nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the. the yeah, I mean, it's again, it's getting slightly, slightly off topic, but I do wonder sometimes, you know, once they've created a camo scheme for the well, the the camo scheme patterning for the hull, when mm-hmm. we we all know what paint schemes, skins, camos, etc., look like in the game file mode for any game, it's kind of this dis, dis slightly disorientated jumble of mm-hmm. of things that then get applied to the the model polygons. But I do kind of wonder. If maybe, maybe as a, yeah, we had the, um, the Normandy, I think it was, the friend, the French battleships came out there was that fan design competition and yes. we eventually ended up with the liner camo, which, which looks really good. It does. To me, I mean, this is, and I've said this on Twitter as well before, mm-hmm. but the, the, the local, the West Coast ferries, Caledonian mm-hmm. brain, it really resembles their livery. Yes. <laughs> so I think it was the Calmac camo. <laughs> so it'll be, um, yeah, I, I, I do wonder sometimes if maybe they should release like templates for... The various ship camos, yeah. and then just go. You know what? You, know, I mean, if, if if you remember way, 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 way back in the day um, with World of Tanks, you used to be able to download third-party skins, yes. for your tanks, and only you could see them. But you know, that's all that really mattered. Um, it, and then they brought in obviously their own camos. But I just wonder if you know 
maybe they should release templates for for various ships and maybe do mini competitions like they did for the Normandy one. That, I mean, they then, do periodically do do, do these uh, contests. Like Blishkovitsa's actually got two, for instance. Hmm. Um, and I think there's one for at least one of the other destroyers. Um, but yeah, it's not that often. And I, no. I, I've lo- actually looked into like, it is possible to create your own custom camos, but it, it's mm-hmm. quite an involved process and you need to have the right software to do it. Yeah. But the thing is, there are people out there, if they made it a little bit more accessible, I suspect there'd be a lot of more people who would do it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, if they do it with the caveat of like, you know, if we select your camo for implementation in the game, then, well, it's ours now. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, you know, c- Cosmetic, cosmetic um, enhancements. Of one, uh, that's that's the way you make money in a lot of online yeah. games. Uh, nobody, uh, can, nobody cares if you want to spend four quid on making your ship look pretty because it's not going to change the way it fights. Yes, uh, and th- it's um, it's something that that wargaming's been kind of very slow to even to get to where we are now. I mean, it took a really mm. long time to get any kind of custom elements on your uh your, your tanks and world of tanks for instance yeah if you look at how uh war thunder does it that's actually one of the the kind of the the, the ability to customize mm. um to some extent anyway how your tank looks and the placement of different decals yeah. and elements or whatever um like war thunder is a lot more flexible in that regard yeah so, i mean i can understand to a certain degree why they might be a little bit hesitant because of course as with most things on the internet if you do something nice someone will come along oh, yeah. and ruin I mean, it. so you, you you can imagine somebody would just do something incredibly obscene and then and then <laughs> there are, there are plenty of, of things and you look on the war thunder reddit and people yeah. have like gotten semi-naughty things written on their their tanks or planes or whatever by combining different things together so yeah Yeah. there's definitely that element as well but i'm relatively sure you could come up with something i'm I'm, uh, it's not going to be that difficult to secure the system in such a way that you know only official camos will actually properly display on the screen that's why i say you share a template rather than the actual file so people fill in the template and then it, it should be a relatively easy conversion process as long as it's the right the right resolution but yeah I th- I, it's just something i'd I'd really like to see because mm-hmm. then at, at that mm-hmm. point i'd just be like you know what even if you don't want to do the the black white and buff camo scheme yourself for gaming i'll do it <laughs> um, yeah but that would be yeah um if, if they a bit more readily supported that and um doing your own like even doing things like your own flags or signals or mm-hmm. um things like that um like that's one thing i have been able to bother in myself is is replacing a couple of of flags mm. um but it, it took a little bit of doing a little bit of reading to figure out how to do it yeah but it, it's certainly less complicated than trying to do your own camos which was a whole involved process mm-hmm. that yeah <laughs> i mean like they, they could just make uh an in-game tool where you could have certain patterns and then just at least change the colors for for the patterns because like yeah what's... i mean um uh, this is a completely different game but payday 2 actually um lets you do that they have got specific skins for the guns and there's a whole like trading market um and um you know some of the really cheap others actually have stat changes to the guns so they cost a bit more but mm-hmm. 
alongside that, there is the ability to uh, apply. Even if you don't have any skins, you can still apply custom colors and some patterns to your weapons to, to customize them, to personalize them. So, yeah, that, that, that kind of thing. Um, like, at the moment, the very, the very most limited form we have and the only form we have is the ability on some ships to uh, change to an alternate color scheme, but you yeah. don't get to pick what the alternate colors are. So I that, don't that, think that that, that shouldn't be too hard, right? Like basically, mm. you just have to like pinpoint that one color and on on the skin and change it to something else. That's something you can do usually very quickly in in any mm. editing program. So yeah. I feel like obviously you'd need to program it into the game first, but. And then, I mean, you could sell different patterns and different colors and just let the people decide how the ships want to look like, right? And there yeah. is already the option to, like, disable a lot of uh, special camels, so you could uh, have an option mm -hmm. disable custom colors or whatever, so you don't have to watch the pink fleet if you don't want to. Yeah. But, you know... Yeah. And it's kind of, kind of like in uh, World of Tanks, you can apply various things, see if you like them, and then hit buy. Yes. So, and it's like... Unit painter, the unit painters have been a thing in so many games oh, yeah, yeah. for so I mean, long. Yeah. Okay. So it just could be a combination of the two. Just be like, right, well, you know, here, play around with the colors on your camo templates, even as say in game. Play around with the colors, play with your sliders when you're happy, hit buy for X number of doubloons, and then you've got your own custom colored ship. That, that would have been the more obvious example. <laughs> I don't know why I went to payday first, but yeah, no, World mm. of Tanks lets you do that as well, doesn't it? You can, mm. um, like, you can put different solid colors on different parts of your tank for instance yeah create your own kind of look so yeah oh, well, yeah there's there definitely you go. a lot of scope for that yeah there you go wargaming free advice free advice for yeah. making money and everyone and making everyone else happier because you can have pretty color ships <laughs> oh dear so um yeah trying to get <laughs> Vaguely back to the topic. Yeah, okay, uh, yes. no, we're getting now into basically the paper design. So yes. um, Rook at tier seven. Right. So now, now we're entering. Yeah, as you say, the paper paper phase. Everything after this is actual, what I call legitimate paper. I.e., someone actually did sketch this out seriously, um, or slight variations thereof. Um, so basically what in the immediate aftermath of world war one, when it was looking like everyone was going to do another naval arms race, the British looked at two sets of designs. They looked at a battleship design and a battle cruiser design, and they were all coded with a letter and a number. So they started at the middle of the alphabet. Um, and so the bat first battle cruiser designs were the K series, and the corresponding battleship design was an L series. And then they went in opposite directions. So the battleships well, went to L, to M, finally to N, and then you got the N3. And the battle cruisers going went back up the alphabet. So you got K, then J, then I, then H, um, and then G, which is where they finished up. And technically they went to F and. Um, battleships went to O when they were looking at the Nelson designs, but that was a separate, that wasn't part really of the actual mm. main design line. Um, and then for each letter, you had two designs, say, but they had the number, so you had a two and a three, and that basically was twin turrets or triples. So the, okay. 
Um, it, with one exception, which we'll come to a bit later on, uh, but with one exception, all the designs, if it's a two, that means it's got four twins. And if it's a three, it means it's got three triples. And they were trying to, they're basically trying to go, okay, here's our spec. Um, you know, this is the gun caliber we want. This is the performance characteristics we want. And then how does it affect displacement, armor, layout, cost, size, etc., by having it with four twins versus three triples? And the one, the one design, well, one of two designs that's not represented from the battle cruiser design list that the British drew up is, but yeah, so uh, sorry, rephrase. So of the various designs, two are not represented in the seven, eight, nine, ten line, um, and the rest are. The first one, the very first one, was K two K three. That's not in. Uh, that's a battle cruiser with eighteen inch guns. And then the next one, which is what Rook is, this is J three, which was kind of a whiplash because K three and K two were absolute monsters um, for their for their time and generally they were over fifty thousand tons mounting um, eighteen inch guns on you know 30 knots so um it's pretty scary uh j3 was basically the the british looking at that and going that costs how much exactly um, <laughs> uh, and, and then winding it winding everything right back um so when you look at uh, rook at tier 7 which is basically designed j3 she does look very much like hood in some ways um of a general profile and that's because basically they took the admiral class design and went hmm um what about that except in triple so there's a re that's why there's no j2 because <laughs> okay. j2 is basically hood um, oh, j3, I see. I see. j3 I see. is is kind of an updated hood design with with triple triple 15s what what you were saying about the k's makes me wonder mm. if we might see one of those as a super ship at the end of that line at some point it would not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, they, also, they were very I also scary. Had the thought when you were saying um, that kind of like that there was that that nineteen twenties arms race, basically, mm. like, that it seemed at some point, at least vaguely possible, that there might be uh, a, a naval war between, well, it'll be a primarily naval war between the US and uh, and uh, the UK. You know, yes. In some alternate timeline somewhere, these monsters were fighting Tillmans yes. on the high seas. Yeah, the um, it, it the the US the US UK tensions basically rose and fell on the strength of US elections. Mm. Um, where have we heard that before? Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, because because basically you had Wilson's government um, in the latter part of World War One, and then into the to the through to the end of the nineteen tens. And Wilson and his party were very much kind of, you know, manifest destiny. We want a two ocean Navy, et cetera, et cetera. They wanted to be the top dog. And then a uh, government changed with the first election of the 1920s. And then the opposite party, I can't remember which way around it was. And to be honest, their politics were so different back that it probably doesn't mm. matter. But anyway, the other guys got in and the other guys were basically, well, actually, no, we kind of, like to go back to the old isolationist policy. Um, so they weren't quite so keen on the massive trying to outbuild Britain thing that Wilson and and his lot were after. 
And that's why you get part of the reason why you get the Washington Naval Treaty is basically them going, no, we don't want to actually get into a naval arms race. So let's let's talk. Um, obviously, they were still going to negotiate in America's interest. And thanks to you know building throughout World War One, when Britain wasn't, they had gotten to a point where, at least in terms of modern ships, they were close enough to matching the UK that they could make a, a, an equality stick, mm-hmm. which is what you got with with the Washington Treaty. Um, but the J, so they're winding it back to the tier seven. So the J three was kind of midway down the design line that the British were looking at of what can we build post-war as our battle cruiser? Um, and the whole thing obviously gets cancelled by Washington. But, um, yeah, so J- J3 makes a, a fair amount of sense at a Tier 7. Because, I mean, we, again, we've already got Hood sitting in there. Mm-hmm. So this is the, in a lot of ways, this is kind of Hood with a slightly different secondary batch because, of course, they've given her a... A kind of World War Two ish refit, so they've they've gone with these twin six inch turrets, which you previously will have seen on Nelson, which is kind of the the immediate post world post World War One British secondary turret, and and so they've kept some of those, uh, I think actually all of them in, and then stuck some of the four point five inch in as a refit thing. Um, but yeah, the, again, Rook, Rook is one of the ones that's available for playtesting. Um, she's quite fun. Um, like Hood, her 15-inch guns actually do pretty—they do pretty well in sort of tier seven, eight battles. Um, she is a little bit caught short at tier nine, but then most tier sevens are. And she has broadside torpedo launchers, which again make themselves known occasionally when you want to be a little bit irritating. Um, yeah, I yeah, presume I'm... she's also getting like the the torpedo turning mechanic if they're gonna stick with them. If they if they do it, um, as I, I haven't noticed it myself. It, they just seem to run as normal. But to be honest, I don't actually tend to pay that much attention to my torpedoes once they're launched. I'm just like I've launched them in vaguely the right direction. Um, if they hit, they hit, fantastic. And if they don't, well, um, I've got some things to shoot at. <laughs> um, the funny the funny thing is that. At the moment, and we'll come on to this a, a bit more when we talk about the Tier 10, but at the moment, most of the British battlecruisers are set up as, supposedly set up as kind of mid to long range snipers. And then they're playing with the concept of maybe making them into brawlers with a, t- with a, with a Tier 10. But when I'm looking at them, I'm like, well, with these sort of hybridized refits, these ships actually have a fairly large secondary battery with a relatively respectable baseline range. So it's very difficult to resist the temptation to go just go full secondary build spec and run in screaming, um, which, to be fair, is kind of what I do a lot of the time anyway when I'm playing the game. <laughs> so it does appeal, but at the same time, it's, like, it's not exactly the world's best protected ship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is hood armor, so go charging in and um, you will probably die. Yeah, Hood is pretty durable if you kind of keep to the mid-long ranges and yes. wrangling properly. Yeah, and it's the same thing I found with Rook. Um, I am actually quite enjoying her. Um, the, both Queen Mary and Rook, so far at the testing stage at least, are very enjoyable ships to play. Uh, so then we are on to, we're back on the other page now. Uh, yes. Hawk at Tier 8. Yeah, 
Quark's a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, because you'll notice she has triple turrets. So she's a three design. Um, but K3 and J3, which we've just discussed as Rook, are the only ships that actually have this, you know, two forward, one aft layout. Mm. And K3 has 18-inch guns. J3, as we've just said, has 15-inch guns. This thing has 16-inch guns. I, I was wondering, are these... Because it doesn't say on the page itself, and you, you might just know mm. this on the basis of, you know, that you mm. know stuff. Um, but are these going to be the same 16-inch guns that are on Nelson, or are these uh, kind of more modern design? In theory, they should be. Because this, as I say, this whole design series is culminated with the G3s, and then the Nelson inherited the G3 turrets, massively pared down in um, build in uh, sort of structural build quality, which is part of the reason why they had so many issues. But in theory, these should be the Nelson guns. Okay. Um, albeit with possibly slightly better performance overall to model the fact that these are would these would be the 16-inch guns as they were supposed to be built, not the 16-inch guns after we've pared away literally everything to the point they're slightly wobbly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the 16-inch guns are historical, but this particular layout of, you know, the K3... This has been through the wargaming... Yes. Yeah, because I've I've seen Shipyard elsewhere. Design. Yeah, I've seen elsewhere in in one of the blogs they actually refer to the Hawk as the K three design, um, which I was like, okay, fair enough. You you look at the the superstructure, the comparing the Rook to the Hawk. There is there are a number of differences. Um, so and and with the secondary layout as well. So she does seem to be a K three hull, but they've if it if it is a K three hull, they've dropped. The armament down from 18 inches to 16 mm. inches, um, presumably just to keep it in line in the game. Which, yeah, 18 yeah. inch at tier eight would be a bit, <laughs> yeah, your tier sixes that would be so I mean, terrifying. I can kind of see where they were coming from with this because there there is only one other full 16 inch design in the in the British. 19 early late 10 1910s early 1920s battlecruiser with uh development line which is the g3s which we'll come on to in a bit um there were some with 16.5 inch guns which we'll run into a bit later but the only the only other one that's not g3 that has 16 inch guns is um the h3 series and those are kind of ultra well for as much as you can say for this entire series, ultra light ones with just a pair of triple sixteens. So you know you you've only got six guns, um, or maybe six sixteen point fives, depending on exactly which variant you want to go with. Um. So uh, and there's also an H three variant actually with six eighteen inch guns. So, um. <laughs> I mean, if you were if you wanted to stick with purely historical, I don't. I I personally would have been tempted to just go with one of the H three designs instead. But I can also appreciate how difficult that would be to balance, considering we're coming off of a nine gun ship. We've gone, you know, so we've got we've had our six gun ship at Renown. We've gone to nine guns. 
tier eight six guns, even six sixteen inch would be pushing it. And six eighteens, I mean we've got six eighteen inch in the game, but it's you know, things like Georgia at tier nine. So again, down downgrading the a six eighteen inch armament to tier eight would be difficult to justify. A six sixteen point fives maybe if they'd gone with maybe the um the H but the problem is if they'd gone with the the H three A, which would have two triples forward, that is the eighteen inch variant. <laughs> so you know, at that point they they would have just been downgrading to sixteen inch another design. So yeah, I suppose downrating the K threes it does give some continuity at least before you get onto the into the truly special designs because you've you've gone from kind of an echelon to Q turret to almost conventional layout with Tiger to conventional layout with Renown, conventional layout with Rook and now Hawk is still conventionalish layout before we, we go back to being special again. Um so I, I, I can see the reasoning, um but of the main line uh, of, of British battle cruisers, they are the least historical. Mm-hmm. Um, we will talk about the Collingwood in a bit. Yes, I think <laughs> we'll do. We'll do the tech tree, and then we'll get onto the Collingwood. Yes, yes, that is. And this is a ship for causing me great anger. But never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I'm just reading that thing. It says, "Yeah, the battleships will benefit from the new torpedo turning mechanic." Um. Okay, so that would explain why they've got the slightly wider to, wider fire angles, perhaps. Yeah, whatever. Yes, it, it um, was really. It's been hard to. I, I think they gave some numbers, but yeah, we, we don't really have a, an idea of quite how wide the no things are. No, so yeah, I mean, obviously, hawks are not available for testing in game. Um, otherwise, I suspect she should probably do okay. I mean, it's nine sixteen-inch guns. Admittedly, mm. it's not nine Iowa sixteen-inch guns, but Iowa is up there at um tier nine and we've got the the South Dakotas, you know, Alabama, Massachusetts, etc. at tier eight. So we've you know nine sixteen inch guns at tier eight seems to be a fairly solid bit of uh, solid armament. Um if if it if it is truly the K three hull, as they're saying that it is the armor should be pretty good, um, angled twelve inch. So it's kind of, she, in theory, assuming that, that everything else they've said about them is true, it will basically just be like, you know, in in a lot of ways, almost like taking a an Alabama or a Massachusetts out, except with a few extra knots on it, mm-hmm. which is not a bad okay. thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm wondering if they are touching the armor too for consistency's sake. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is um, it is one of the slightly odd things in that a lot of these designs that the British were were doing in this in this whole, if you like, tech tree, the the, the paper post nineteen post World War One designs, an awful lot of them, up to and including Nelson, which is of course already in the game, all involve sloped armor or angled armor to increase its effectiveness and not a a terribly bad thickness of armor to start with, uh, which is, of course, something you see with um, 
the later U.S. fast battleships in uh, uh, as well in the 1930s and 40s, which is, of course, you know, your, your higher tier stuff in the game for the U.S. But it's interesting the British go through this design stage and build the Nelsons in the first part of the interwar period. The Americans build their version with sloped armor at the end of the interwar period but by that point the british have gone back to just massive slabs with the king george v's mm-hmm. for whatever reason i mean that's a whole other story <laughs> i just i was just looking at the the preliminary stats they've given and the, it does mm-hmm. it, on those 16 inch have uh even if the ap performance isn't quite there it still has 45 percent fire chance and mm. uh like Nearly seventy millimeters of penetration. So, but yeah. only one point five. Like Nelson, you'll still be able to get the terrifying HG shells. But they're going for rather inaccurate guns. Yeah, the, the, the sigma value, the higher the sigma is better, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Test of range from I think at the low tiers you get things like one point four is probably around the lowest up to I think two point one mm. is the highest on any ship. I, I don't pretend to quite understand the maths, but yeah, basically the sigma is the the a big part of the accuracy formula. But there's also like a uh, I can't remember if it's horizontal or vertical dispersion. I mean, you have two mm. dispersions, like horizontal and vertical. They form an ellipse, and sigma tells you how the shells are like distributed inside the ellipse. Yeah, the sigma means like more shells go towards the center of the. Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's all statistics and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Numbers. How do they work? It's math, <laughs> clearly evil. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how she performed. The other interesting thing is, of course, now, obviously, we're now into our second paper ship. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, for people who are unaware, they have actually decided to name them all after British admirals. Yes. So Admiral Rook, Admiral Hawke. Actually, one of my favorite admirals is Admiral Hawke. <laughs> A uh, little bit mad, in fact, very mad. <laughs> but um, that wasn't necessarily an impediment in the age of sail. No, no. As I've said of numerous times on my channel, um, Admiral Hawke is literally single-handedly responsible for probably the closest thing you'll ever see to the Pirates of the Caribbean three Maelstrom battle fought in real life, except he did it with an entire fleet, not two ships. <laughs> um. Yeah, that, that, there's our whole story behind the Battle of Kibberon Bay. At some point, I'll get that done on my channel. <laughs> ah, sounds like it would be an outstanding one. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah we're getting to Tier 9, where things are going a little off the rails. Yes, Tier 9, the Duncan, the ship that I have been waiting for to see in the game ever since they decided that they were going to do, you know, British ships, period. Uh, the G3 Battlecruiser. Um, this, w- this was a ship that was actually ordered. Well, there were ordered four of them, and depending on whose accounts you read, they did actually start collecting materials. And if you believe one or two accounts, possibly even laid the keel for these things before, or at least one of them before the Washington Treaty, you know, put the, the damper on that. Um, these things are armed with triple 16-inch guns. Um, in their actual design, although I noticed that in the blog, at least, they're talking about 419 millimeter, which means they're looking at the 16.5 inch early variant, which would be an interesting choice, but not a terrible one. I mean, a little bit of extra firepower never goes amiss. Um, but it was it was the 16.5 inch gun was something they did investigate because after the brief dalliance of going back to 15 inches with the J3, 
they really wanted to have 18-inch guns on both their battleships and battlecruisers. And that's one of the reasons why there's so many different battlecruiser designs, because they were you know, just playing around all the time, going, can we get decent armor, decent speed, and 18-inch guns on something that'll fit in like more than one dry dock? And it turned out the answer was no. <laughs> and decision for the 419s just to interject is uh, because that's what the conqueror and the lion use mm -hmm. as well so it's just yeah. to bring uniformity uniform yeah fair enough and it's um and and then it was kind of you know it's kind of almost the the, the stages of grief and that they were onto the bargaining stage and they're like okay well <laughs> if we can't have the 18 inch they knew that the americans with the coloradas and the japanese with the nagatas were going with 16 and they're like well if we can't have this 18 maybe we can still have something a bit better and no one wants to design a 17 inch gun for whatever reason um and so they're like well we can have a 16.5 because the british had up to that point increased their battleship gun calibers in increments of 1.5 inches from 12 to 13.5 13.5 to 15 18 was jumping two increments because it's three inches and they're like, okay, well, the intermediate would have been a 16.5, so let's see if we can get a 16.5 in. Also turned out the answer was no. Um, and so the final G3 design had 16-inch, which they're kind of begrudgingly, well, at least it's the same as everybody else's, at least caliper-wise. Um, but, you know, they're fast. They have very similar armor, armor, again, in theory, assuming they've gone with the proper armor model, uh, to uh, the Iowa's sloped armor, um actually slightly just fractionally um a bit more a bit thicker than the iowa so in theory their armor scheme should be more durable than the iowa's which is hilarious given that they're battle cruisers mm. <laughs> but we shall see how it's implemented and obviously again area of coverage etc makes mm -hmm. will make a big difference as well um but as you can see the, the their main feature to try and save weight in order to try and you know have this pretty good fast battleship scale armor scheme was to bring the uh the aft turret forward uh so it's now sitting just behind the superstructure with all the machinery stacked aft and then obviously the the later evolution we'd see with nelson is just swapping the position of the superstructure and that aft gun to make it an all forward design uh, but this is kind of the intermediary stage so you can't actually fire again you can't fire in the rear arc at all but um do actually have some fairly nice arcs for forward fire yeah it's going to be i mean presumably you've got at least some decent amount of secondaries in that aft section mm -hmm. but yeah the, the the firing angles on this are going to be interesting i don't think we've got anything else that is even quite close to this i mean probably the absolute closest you would get would be like Nelson and Izumo, mm -hmm. but yeah, and it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, the turrets do seem to turn pretty quick. So if you because in in overall layout terms, the the layout is kind of like the Izumo, in the you know the the aft turret or at least the old school Izumo where the aft turret has to do the full two seventy when the uh, front two only have to do a full a ninety degree travel arc. But from what I've seen so far on the ones on the ship, obviously Duncan herself isn't in game, but on the other British battlecruisers, their turret speed, turn speed does seem to be relatively decent. So you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have to wait an age for that aft turret to swing round, okay. which is good. 
Yeah, um, they say 180 degree turn time is 30 seconds. Yeah. Kind which can obviously comparable yeah. to the, I think, Italians have that mm-hmm. generally as well. So fairly, fairly quick response for a battleship. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, the reason for this bunching, as I said, is basically to try and minimize the length of the overall armored citadel. So that that means, obviously, if you have less less length of belt armor, that means you save weight. And if you're prepared to have the same displacement anyway, that means you can increase the armor, um, which is one of the reasons. Because a lot of people, they kind of look at it and go, how are they going to do this? Because the, the displacement is roughly, um, roughly what the Iowas came out at. Uh, but they're somehow supposed to be able to do about the same speed, just a fraction less, maybe, for much less horsepower, and they've got a similar kind of armament, but they've got better protection, and it's 20 years before the I was designed. How is this possible? Mm. Um, and it's a combination of, you know, the armament layout means they can save weight. Um, the machinery layout actually is also, in a, in a way, saving weight, because with the machinery further back, your prop shafts don't need to be as long, and prop shafts and their associated bulkheads weigh a fair bit. And also because you can start narrowing the hull the aft hull a lot sooner, you can actually get a much more efficient hydrodynamic shape. Okay. Which ex- partly explains why they're able to, well, on paper at least, get up to a 32, maybe 33 knots on much less horsepower. And the other thing is their target speed is just a fraction slower than the Iowa's. Um, there, there's a huge amount of horsepower that you need. Once you get into the 30-knot regimen, you're talking about you know 30 to 50% more horsepower per knot until you hit about 35 knots, and then it just starts getting truly stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, uh, the like the hull overall, I think if you could look at it from the top, you wouldn't notice a distinct similarity to the Nelson. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a lot more elongated, but yeah, it's yes. definitely, you can see the, the lineage there. Yeah, yeah, because basically they did a, a kind of a fusion dance when, when the Washington Treaty came in. And they were told, well, you can have two ships with 16-inch guns, but they have to be 35,000 tons and no more. They they say they kind of did this fusion dance between the G3s and the N3s and came up with the Nelsons, which were technically designed O3 because they're battleships. Um, But yeah, G3, I've been looking forward to seeing this in-game for so long. I I do wonder with these higher-tier ones if we're going to see them ending up being more kind of armoured and tanky than the actual battleships, because the battleships that we have are heavily reliant on their... Like, the armor's okay, mm. but they're very much reliant on the superheel. They're very spongy. Yes. Well, I mean, it's... Yeah, it is a it is a bit of a weird one, because, you know, these are battle cruisers on paper, but they're actually better armoured, mm. in some cases significantly better armoured, than a number of battleships that were either contemporary with them or, in some cases, even post-dated them. Um, and this is this is where we start to get into the very blurry line between, you know, what's what, at this kind of stage, what's a battle cruiser versus what's a fast battleship. Yes, yeah, and I mean, if if you t- if the G threes, if the British had designed the G threes and just said this is going to be our our battleship, everyone would have just gone, oh, it's a very fast battleship, cool. Um, the only reason anyone ever calls them battle cruisers is because they designed the N3s, which were basically floating bricks with 18-inch guns strapped to the top. Yes. Um, so by comparison, the G3s look a little bit a little bit fragile, but they really aren't. Um, 
So yeah, it, they're, it's going to be they're going to be an interesting interesting one to see, especially with this um, as you mentioned, the anti aircraft battery concentrated almost entirely aft. Um, there's a there's a secondary turret at the Brit superstructure level, but almost all of the guns are going to be right aft, which again is similar to the Nelsons, but mm. on a much larger hull. There's potential to store a lot more guns. Yeah, you can see a six, and then it's one of those pancake four point fives amidships, and then yes. It, couple of AA on the bridge area and then everything else is just kind of around the tunnels and after mm. uh, the funnels and after that. Um, so know. then we're on to uh, the last, the tier 10, the St. Vincent. Yes, St. Vincent tier 10. So this is I3, um, which is a, you know, a couple of, a couple of variant designs further back. And this is, this is back from the point when they're still trying to get 18 inch guns on. Um, so it, it is an 18 inch gun ship. It's very fast. Um, the armor is actually slightly worse than G3. This was one of the things they did when, when they were down, because one of the major problems, as I said, was fitting it into certain dry docks, Malta, Gibraltar, etc. Mm-hmm. And one of the major selling points of the G3s with their smaller armament was we can get them in the dry docks, but, you know, increasing the armor weight didn't increase the length. So that's what they did so bizarrely enough again assuming they go with historical values the st vincent is less well protected than the duncan on the other hand it has triple 18 inch guns (laughs) (laughs) and uh in in game at the moment this is where the bit we said we're going to talk about earlier they've currently got actually uh st vincent and st lawrence uh in place which which basically clones of each other but with Slightly different, uh, slightly different deck armor values, um, and slightly different. Although the guns are the same in terms of caliber, the if I'm getting the figures the right way around, the St. Lawrence has a slightly longer baseline maximum range, a slightly shorter reload, fractionally worse dispersion, but much better sigma. Got 2.0 sigma versus St. Vincent has a 1.5, and. Uh, also different torpedoes. Um, the St. Lawrence, the one with the longer range guns, has four kilometer torpedoes. The St. Vincent has 10 kilometer torpedoes. Um, otherwise, in all other forms, the stats on them are, are relatively the same. Secondary battery is the same. And this is, they're trying to compare and contrast and see whether the medium range brawler, which is the St. Vincent, is better or worse than the long-range sniper which is the st lawrence which is kind of the long medium range sniper is the is the trend that all the others are following at the moment at least and interestingly enough the the torpedoes on these two um or this one the tier 10 are pointing forward um everybody every yeah the queen mary facing tubes uh underwater they're underwater tubes so they've got a limited yeah. degree of, uh, of traverse but yeah if you've ever done torpedo jousting with the the tier three <sighs> german destroyer basically imagine that but with a slightly wider arc of fire <laughs> tor- like, you got one you get two shots but each shot can do like 20k damage yeah um so if That's... you end up going head to head with somebody at close range in in your tier 10 British battle cruiser and they and you see them coming in and they think, ah, oh, yes, well, I'm going to ram him. Cause that seems like a brilliant idea. You can do like a 40 K nope. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you might have like 30, 30 for 35, 40,000 health left. Not anymore. 
I mean, it might make up for weak noses because I think they... I'm not sure if any of those ships will have an icebreaker, but I think they only have like 25... 25 mil, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's... It, you, you, let's face it, if you're in a tier 10 ship, you don't necessarily want to find yourself nose-to-nose with somebody at point-blank range. It's never a good situation to be in. Um, but unlike most tier 10 capital ships, these these the tier 10 British ships do have a you know, a, a, an ace in the hole to turn the tables on everybody. Hmm. Well, it, it's certainly... Uh, it certainly will make life an interesting experience if somebody decides to be aggressive with one of these things. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, they're they're, towards you. And they have engine boost. So, you know, if you, if you want to play super stealthy, you know, sneak behind islands with engine boost and the speed skill equipped plus its baseline speed, you can suddenly find like a 52,000-ton battlecruiser coming barreling around the corner at 36 knots, um, lobbing torpedoes your way, which is going to thoroughly confuse some people. <laughs> um, but yeah, does, just looking at it, have a much more spread out uh, AA set as well. In fact, it almost looks kind of American with the amount of mounts that it has. Yeah, they, they, there there is quite a ridiculous uh, amount. It, they, it splits. So there's there's eight twin six inch. So you got um, four four twin turrets per side, and ten of the twin four point five inch. So you have got five turrets per side there. So you've actually got um, what's that nine nine twin turrets of secondary per mm-hmm. side. Oh, um, Slightly more of contribute to the AA. The six inch obviously doesn't, um, but yes, I do. I do have my um, Saint Vincent currently built as a secondary secondary build with a ten point five kilometer range. It's not quite able to compete with it. Compete with a Schlieffelin, um, but unlike the Schlieffelin, I can charge in and still deliver full <laughs> full full power broadsides and then chase him with torpedoes, as one Schlieffelin has already found to his cost. Um. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 as I say, the armor isn't brilliant. Um, you, you will take a fair bit of damage for a tier 10 capital ship when everybody inevitably starts going after you. Um, and the reason that the I-3s weren't the ones that the British chose was, as I said before, they, they just don't fit in a lot of the British docks at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be interesting to see. Which, on a kind of more historical note, like that, that was always a big consideration for, for I think, the UK particularly. Um, mm. Was uh, like like there's there's always various things like will it fit through the Suez Canal will it fit through the Panama Canal but also you know can we actually fit it in the docks that we have if we're going to be sending this off around the Empire? Yes, yeah. I mean, and this this was one of the things because Britain did have some fairly large docks in the UK. So if if the UK was just worried about it, you know, a home fleet based ship one of these bigger designs probably could have been selected, but they had all these overseas docks in Gibraltar and Malta and later Singapore. And, the you know, if you've got an empire to defend, the ships have to be able to dock in any one of them. If you're off fighting a war in, oh, I don't know, the Western Pacific against Japan, um, if you end up with a damaged ship, you don't want to have to end up going, well, yeah, we're going to have to cart you halfway around the world before you can get repaired. Mm-hmm. Um and and different countries had this problem in in different ways. The Americans, weirdly enough, didn't have that problem much at all. In some ways, because they were latecomers to the game, 
Um, they only really got going with major naval build-up in at the turn of the 20th century, but that meant they were able to, you know, build and design shipyards and dry docks to the needs of 20th century shipping. Yeah, I think their, their constraints were much more around the Panama Canal than anything exactly, else. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, the Germans started off with this in kind of a similar position to the Americans, but they ended up building a lot of their major shipyards. A, they started building them slightly earlier, uh, maybe five, ten years, but they also ended up building a lot of them in fairly major built-up areas. So you look at like where Wilhelmshaven is even on a map at the time it's in the middle of an incredibly heavily built up city because there's not that many ports in germany um which constrained them when it came to can we upgrade those those dockyards uh in the future which is one of the reasons why they had so many issues in world war Two because they only had so many large slipways so um when people say like, what if they completed graf zeppelin it just wasn't going to happen because they had the plans for graf zeppelin but until they launched Gneiser now, there wasn't a ship, a slipway to put Graf Zeppelin on. That ended up also being one of the the major reasons. I've done a video on this very recently mm -hmm. of, of why it was so important to then deny them the use of um, French dockyards. Exactly, yes. France yeah, because the, the French really drew the short straw. Um, they had some very small dockyards, and because they had a long, 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 long legacy of being a major naval power... All the Brest, Cherbourg, Toulon, um, Bordeaux, all of these shipyards were in the middle of cities that were centuries old, sometimes even millennia old, and half of them were halfway up rivers as well, which really didn't help, you know, launching across the rivers. Um, and they were forever trying to find ways of increasing their, their dock capacity. But that, that's one of the reasons why when you play the Normandy and Lyon, they seem really dinky in size compared to some of the other equivalent ships. And that's basically because they were the French were constrained by this is the biggest size of slipway we've got at the time. So you have to make whatever you want fit into that rather than build the ship to the size that you want it to. Uh, and then they went off and um, after some economic problems in most of the interwar period, they extended their docks so that they could get the, build the Dunkirks. And then they found they were going to have to build the Richelieu's and discover they didn't have docks big enough to build them. Uh, so they ended up having to do a, yet another round of expansion to their docks. Um, and as you say, the Saint-Nazier dock, which was built for the liner Normandy, was basically, it was the biggest one in Europe, but it was also the only one in France. <laughs> you can't build an entire fleet around a single dry dock. Um, and so, yeah, you had some very bizarre things in the interwar period in World War II where you had the French basically building capital ships without their bows and sterns, launching the hull and then attaching the bow and stern afterwards because that was the only way it was going to work. Um, the British were kind of in a halfway house in that they had a similar legacy issue to that that the French did. Um, but because they were slightly ahead in terms of the Industrial Revolution, and thanks to being an island, had slightly more coastline, um, <laughs> they were able to extend a number of their dry, uh, their slipways and dry docks a bit more than the French were in the early 20th century. So they were slightly less constrained than the French, but not tremendously much. And obviously they had the overseas issues. Um, but to give you some idea of, of how constrained things were getting, if you ever get a chance to see some photos, and I can probably send you some afterwards as well, of Hood while she was under construction, 
um, in the shipyard that she was being built at, there were multiple slipways. Hood could only be built on one because it was directly opposite a tributary that came into the river. Any of the others, she would have just fetched up on the other side of the river, which would have been a bit embarrassing. Um, But even then, when she was being built, um, you've got the slipway coming up. And then normally for slipways, you have a railway line, light rail running down in front of it, which brings parts and so forth, and a walkway for the workers, and then buildings on the far side. And you see Hood, and you've got the slipway, and then Hood's hull just keeps going and going and just crosses that entire distance and then slots neatly between two buildings on the opposite side. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there were there were some restrictions. It's like that was there was the one slipway where they could just about fit Hood in in that shipyard. Her <laughs> sisters were being built elsewhere um, until they got cancelled. But it, it kind of gives you an idea of just how confined some of these shipyards were getting in the in the nineteen twenties when they were looking at ships that were approaching a, a thousand feet long. Some creativity required. Yes. So that leaves us the well that's that's the the line. Yes. Uh and then we get on to the Pretty angry ship. Announced. Which is sort of a replacement to Nelson, kind of, I guess. Oh yeah, Collingwood. It's I don't I don't understand. I don't genuinely. Considering so, you could have just had Rodney. Yeah, you could have had Rodney. I mean, they're introducing torpedoes. What's Rodney famous for? Torpedoing Bismarck. Yes. It's got it would have the single largest torpedoes in the game, even bigger than the long lances, because the long lances are twenty four inches. What? 24? Uh, 24 and a half. Yeah. And actually, depending on which account you read, again, take with a pinch of salt, but depending on which account you read, possibly also the inspiration for the Long Lance in terms of both their size and also the fact, although they don't use the pure oxygen that the Long Lances do, they did use an oxygen-enriched mixture for their fuel. So according to some sources, back when the Japanese and the British were a little bit more friendly, they got a look in on some of the early plans for what would become the torpedoes on Nelson and Rodney and went, hmm, that's a good idea. We should go off and do something like that ourselves, except better. (laughs) So, yeah, anyway, yeah, you could have had Rodney. Um, Ostensibly, this thing is F2. So, uh, as I mentioned, G3 and N3 were the ships the British would have decided to build. And then when the Washington Treaty came in, they had they were allowed to build a pair of ships with 16-inch guns. They had to decide what ships they were going to build. So they had O3, which broadly enough became the Nelsons. But the other option was a pair of designs called F2 and F3, which, as the letter suggests, were the battlecruiser options. Now these, and this is why... The Collingwood is very bizarre because F2 and F3 were slightly less well protected than Nelson, although actually still fairly well protected, reasonably speaking. High speed, obviously, um, because they're battle cruisers, and 15 inch rather than 16 inch guns. So it's basically down an inch in armor in uh, armament compared to the Nelsons. Couple of uh, an inch or two thinner armor compared to the Nelsons, but for that you get 30 plus knots battle cruiser speed. Uh, F, F, 24, 25, just for reference. Sorry? 
It's just a reference to that Nelson was like what, 24 knots? 20, knots? Mm-hmm. 23 knots officially. Okay. Rodney seemed to be able to go a bit faster than that when she really wanted to. Um, but, you know, these you know, battle cruiser speeds on the F, F2 and F3, 30 plus. So, I mean, they would have actually been fairly respectable ships in the in World War II. Um, F2, as the name suggests, would have had twins and F3 triples. And this was uh, a Nelson-style layout. Now, with Collingwood, they seem apparently to have taken F2, but then cut the legs out from under it in terms of speed, because it's it's not battlecruiser speed, and slapped on the 16.5-inch guns at Tier 7. Which is, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know what's going on. So th- this is this is fully invention of the wargaming design bureau, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, the reason I think it's very bizarre is because this is this is coming out with the British battle cruisers, but it's slow, and the, it's got this very mysterious armament. Um, because let's face it, F three which is what I thought they might bring in as um, as the Tier 7 anyway. Uh, they've gone with Rook, which, you know, it's fine. It's, G3, it's a J3. I'm, I'm fine with it, but I thought they might bring F3 in instead. Um, you know, it's a 30, it, would be, it would have been a 35,000-tonner, 29, 30 knots, maybe a bit faster, depending on exactly which design spec they go with. Three, uh, three triple 15s. You know that I mean three triple fifteens is what they've gone with with Rook anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, it certainly that would have been a suitable armament for Tier Seven. And then the all forward layout is a, is a nice unique British thing. But yeah, this thing. Um, I mean, I, I'd have to look a, look a bit further in and see if maybe there was an O two that this thing might be. But the thing is, if it's an o, if it's an O two instead of an O three, um, that also doesn't make too much sense because uh, you know the Nelson the O three was a sixteen inch ship doing twenty three knots, and this is a sixteen point five inch ship doing twenty five knots. Um, I haven't seen the, the the armor stats for this thing, but if it is based on F two, then obviously it's going to have um, it's going to have the Battle cruiser armor. So, sorry, it doesn't really match with anything that you know of either way. No, no, I'm. It, 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 I mean, it's yeah, it's just, and it also, it's just weird. It it doesn't sit anywhere in anyone's design philosophy because it's too fast to be a line battleship from the 1920s. It's too slow to be a battle cruiser. And it's it's got six gun armament, which is not particularly comfortable at tier seven, but it's got this very heavy for tier seven six gun armament. And bearing in mind the layout means you're going to be not always able to use even six. Yeah, you're gonna be playing you're basically gonna be playing it a bit like an Elson. Um I don't have an objection to the name. There's another Admiral name, Collingwood, so that's fine, but Yeah. It's kind of it's it's kind of that sour note for me. 
It ain't Dude. odd when they could have definitely had much more historically fitting options that would have come along well with it being, you know, a battle cruiser line that's being released. But yeah, it's it's a very odd choice. It seems but, like they they had an idea what they wanted to do with studs, and then just you know taking some resemblance to a, to a British ship. Instead of starting with a design, they were like, we want this, and now let, let's make it look British. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how that's how this thing's going to play. I mean, it is in testing at the moment, but I've just kind of looked at it, and I, at the moment, I was just on principle. I'm just I'm not playing this thing. It's an abomination. <laughs> I, I might be. I might make myself. I might make myself feel dirty by playing it. Uh oh well. It's yeah. I mean, on the one hand, it's got better armor than Indefatigable, so you know, small silver <laughs> linings. I mean, after finally bringing British battle cruisers that people wanted for a long time and having some actual historical ships and uh, existing designs, walking we're like, this this can't stand. We need we need our unicorn. I mean, there's probably other previews like previews mostly follow a pattern of um not varying too wildly from historical designs, but having said that, there probably are some others that are uh, not really that close to anything that might actually have ever been built or designed, so yeah. I, I guess it's just disappointing that we have one with such a historical and such an anticipated line. Yeah, and with, um, with, with such a thin armour, it's like at 25 knots... That the point of having thin armor on a battle cruiser so you can run away, mm. uh, in, at least in this game, with twenty five knots, you're not going to be able to run. <laughs> yeah, you're probably just supposed to snipe at range. Yeah, but see, I I I see, I see a way how to save this ship, right? So basically, mm -hmm. they they just give it unicorn uh, camo, right? So but imagine like uh, at the front you have like a unicorn statue and then you just paint it like pink or so with rainbows. Just, just embrace <laughs> the, the 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 fantasy elements. Yes, You'd have to get get us get a special voiceover from the guy who did the Skittles adverts. <laughs> Every time it fires, you just hear "Taste the rainbow." <laughs> <laughs> I'd play this in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, uh, yeah, that that is that's fair. I I probably would, but yeah, I don't know. I I I really want to sit down with someone in wargaming and ask what exactly they were thinking when they when they had all these other designs. I mean, yeah, you know, even one of the later H threes would have been more and the H threes, the F threes, whatever would have been much better inclusions than than whatever this is. I mean, I wonder how much of it is like it does. It does look very Nelson. I wonder how much mm. of it is. Um. Just reuse the Nelson. It's, uh, yeah, trying to use as many elements from the Nelson model as they can, rather than model an entire new ship from scratch. But I don't mm. know. Maybe they did have to model it entirely from scratch. You know, yeah. It's, it's weird. Well, I mean, they were, yeah. If they were doing if they were doing an F two hull to start with, it, it is a bit different. But yeah, <laughs> I, I I just have confused face looking at this thing. 
I have to say, even less, like, you would think that this versus something like the Atlantico when we talked to you about that, mm. and, you were, and you're like, you know, no, the Atlantico actually kind of, you know, the, the, the design from when it came from and for who was pushing for it, you know, that, that's actually kind of, you know, it sort of, sort of makes sense. Versus, yeah. Which looks a bit more sensible. But <laughs> yeah, it's basically kind of like they've, they've taken all the designs that they didn't use, um, and then kind of chopped out all the various stats and names and everything, thrown them into a into a bingo rollerball selector, <laughs> and just taken whichever ones have come out at the end. So it's just like, we're going to have Nelson Armament and 14, 16.5-inch guns, and it's going to be slow. And we're going to take the whole <laughs> of F3. No, F2. Okay, great. <laughs> that, that seems to be the design process. Yeah. Oh well. So we've also um and we've got some ships left on uh this close testing page. We've got the Huron mm. and the Rio de Janeiro and the Hampshire, which is like a stretched Surrey class. But we've also got the Love the spirits. now in testing uh well we'll just call them the proto Dunkirk, so I don't know if you want to quickly say something about <laughs> those. Oh yeah, it's basically here's all the Dunkirk and Possibly edging on Richelieu design studies. We've made, we've congratulations. We've met, we've made a, a cruiser line out of them. I mean, on the one hand, I kind of want to like them because I am quite a fan of the all forward firing arrangement. Um, on the on the other hand, it is an entirely paper line. Um, it, although it does it does seem to be I hesitate to say it because you know attempting fate and all that. But it does seem to be suggesting that they're looking at a second capital ship line for almost all of the various um, major factions. Because now we've got the British, we've got battle cruiser line. The Americans are getting their kind of kind of Tillman mm-hmm. secondary battleship line. Um, these are ostensibly cruisers, but let's face it, they're actually kind of battle cruiser ish. They're, they're just the other side of battle cruiser. Um, so, uh, obviously, the Germans have just had their battle cruiser line as well recently. Um, so, you know, the Japanese, they had enough interesting designs to populate a second tree. I mean, admittedly, some of some of them have been used up in premiums, but there's 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 probably enough for a, a Japanese second battleship tree. I mean, if they come up with some of the interwar Hiraga designs, that's going to be absolutely hilarious. People will lose their <laughs> minds when they see them. You know, triple six-inch turrets perched out on the bow. The, I can bet you when those come out, the first waves will just be, oh, this is just a wargaming vapor ship. But then <laughs> finally they'll be able to sit back and go, no, no, look, at look, the Japanese really were this bad. <laughs> uh, the number 13 would make an interesting... Um, Interesting companion for Yamato at tier 10 because it's basically an early war Yamato, it's just fast, same kind of guns, but faster and less well protected. Um, so yeah, I, I'm wondering if that's maybe the next the next thing that's going to pop up J- Japanese second battleship line. Um, but I mean, I've oh, what's the um, is it the Toulon, the uh, French premium super cruiser thing that they've got at the moment? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe no idea. Yeah, 
I've been playing one of them and kind of got on the well, the one with all the fancy, you know, the blue paint and the gold um, mm-hmm. thingy at uh, trumpeter at the front. Um, anyway, that, that seems to be. Um, I think they're going to be nice to play. Um, I, I do think they're going to be nice to play. Whether or not they're anything other than vaporware is another matter. But I, I'm not. I'm not heartbroken. Put it this way: I'm not heartbroken over seeing them in the game. Mm-hmm. Um. Because you know the French, they had these, they had plans. They did build a bunch of decent light cruisers and heavy cruisers. They did build the Dunkirks and the Richelieu's. So seeing them in game is a lot, lot more plausible than, um, say, Russian battleships mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and some of the other choices. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite happy to see how that how it all plays out. And you know, a bit more variety never hurts. Keeps that keeps everyone on their toes a little bit. Um, the the Huron is going to be an interesting one. There's an, yet another tribal. Um, how how many variants of the tribal can we have in game? Uh, I know <laughs> some people will be happy with more tribals, but uh, yes, oh yeah, definitely quite a different play style than mm. Cossack. Uh, and, uh, yeah, why well, just just discussing that? By the way, mm. I said I said before we started, I got my. I, I was drinking a big mug of tea before we started. Mm. It's caught up with me, so I'm going to have to be totally unprofessional and disappear for a moment. But fair enough. <laughs> keep chatting yeah yeah um i mean my only concern with huron is it's going to suffer the same kind of because it's it's modeling the ver- a version that has a one of its aft aft gun mounts replaced by an aa gun mount let's face it unless you're halland or something like that you destroy aa doesn't really matter so it's effectively just a nerf <laughs> um um it's it's gonna be interesting. I mean, Huron is basically the Apollo cheat ship for the little white mouse candle we had last yes. year. Yes, yeah. So it's and like Yukon was was crap, right? And I never really mm-hmm. fixed Yukon anyway. And now this is supposed to be an Apollo cheat ship. So let's see. I I mean, there are some stats on the Huron. It's I'm not sure yet. It's gonna make sense, but uh, after seeing what they've done, like with the higher detail in destroyers recently, I don't have any confidence that Wargaming is not gonna fuck Huron up. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've already got Hi- uh, Hyder in game, haven't yes. we? Yeah. Yes, and it, it looks like they're trying to, to make sort of, yeah, a, a smokeless open water gunboat Hyder. That's. I don't know if that's gonna work. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm, I'm not going to object to seeing another tribal in game, and she does look the color scheme does look quite nice. Um, yeah, just kind of it would have been nice to see her with a four gun armament, uh, well, four four mount armament, even to eight guns, because otherwise, it it's own six guns. It's all it's all right, but um. We'll see. I say I'm not. I don't object to the to it being in the game. I'm quite happy to see it in terms of coloration and the fact it's another tribal. I, I am just a little bit afraid of it. It may be slightly underpowered with that with only the the six twin guns for its tier. But we shall see. We shall see. Uh, yeah, and then we've got um, Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> uh, yeah. Original flavor Agincourt with a flying bridge uh, or the flying deck. 
Yeah, it's it's just like an Ashen card that's not secondary focused, I think. Yeah, uh, and you've got this big flying deck with all the boats over the middle two turrets, which was deleted later in the design because someone realized, you know, if you hit the lightly built flying deck structure that's covered in boats, <laughs> then you basically were going to smother two of the gun turrets with wreckage, so that's probably not a brilliant idea. Um, I was going to ask about that, actually. I did wonder what that yeah, was. It, it was. Yeah, it was a feature of actually a lot of um, late ironclads and some pre-dreadnoughts as well, this kind of flying deck where they could, they were just trying to squeeze... They had to squeeze some boat handling area into a ship that maybe didn't have a lot of available deck space that was free of gun blast. Um, but yeah, so with with when they actually were building it, they went, yeah, that's that's a bad idea. Let's not do that. So this is kind of a, the early stage design for for what would become Agincourt. Uh, I don't know quite why they're giving it more accurate main battery guns than with a faster reload than Agincourt, because you know historically speaking, this is the earlier variant. It should be the other way around. But as 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 you said, you know if if it's not secondary focused, so they've got to give it something. It's um, probably also with like that that uh, center designer with the boats. They just went. They didn't think mm, doesn't make sense. They were like, we we want some slight visual differences and we want some slight mm. gameplay differences. Yeah, I mean, I don't object to the boat deck. It is a historical element of the design. I just, it's it's just slightly bizarre to me that the earlier version somehow the main guns are better. Like that's that's not mm. how it works, guys. <laughs> but since they decided to make the Asian Core a secondary build ship, oh well, game balance, I guess. Um, I have um, to say, once again, looking at this, and uh, I think. We speculated when the Atlantico came out as well. Mm. We might see a full South American, South American battleship tree someday. Yeah, although uh, they're they're eating their way through the potential designs um, with uh, with premiums. Mm. So, I mean, there are enough designs that were put forward for the South American dreadnought competition. We haven't seen the River Davies, the Minas Gerais, or the um, Almirante Latore yet. So, you know, that's at least three, albeit, I mean, that's probably three, four, and five. And then everything else gets a bit a bit wiggly, but, yeah. Wiggly the main, the, necessarily stop them. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, main, the main problem you're going to have, I think, is that with, with a South American battleship line is that, much as I'd love to see it, that they don't, because of the various economic problems that the South American countries had in the early 1910s and onwards, they kind of stopped looking at battleships at kind of a Queen Elizabeth, slightly better than Queen Elizabeth design stage. So, that, you know, there's potential for a tier six with 16-inch guns, but seven, eight, and nine, there's not even paper designs because mm-hmm. they just weren't looking. They weren't looking in the 30s and 40s. Um, so unless you came up with something completely arbitrary, like here's a North Carolina, maybe the that really weird North Carolina design study that had offset main battery guns all forward and said, okay, well, the yeah. Americans randomly have decided in an alternate timeline to export this. But we've got um, some very odd premium versions of tech tree ships in the Pan-Asian tree that just make mm. absolutely no sense for the ostensible nations that they're, like, that the naming convention is after. So yeah. 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 
it yeah, it's just it's first. just a shame that it's slightly slightly too late the time period of the game is just slightly too late mm. by that point my beloved secondary home country of bolivia had lost access to the sea so i can't actually play the bolivian navy <laughs> <laughs> although maybe i should ask them to put a bolivian flag in game just for fun that'll just that'll thoroughly confuse anybody who you know spends the inordinate amount of time to work out which national flag the ship is <laughs> the kind of it's easy to mod in for yourself but sadly then no one else is going to see no one else is going to know yeah yeah maybe maybe they can make like a mikasa mikasa a company uh, and have like the quaskar the, the little ironclad that could until it was captured just <laughs> puttering around it's like its main strength is the fact it's so tiny it's almost impossible to hit just, just give them a few more years if they get desperate for ship lines. I mean, we can petition for a lot of other things. Like, I'm still waiting for the, the Austrian uh, tech tree and the Swiss tech, uh, Swiss tech tree. And, you know, mm. I mean... Yeah, well, half tech trees, at least. Because, I mean, the um, you've got the Erzatz Monarchs. On, I mean, there's the Tegethoff is already in-game. So you've, you've got at least one more tree tech tree beyond that. Um, or if they decide to go further back. I mean, this is in Mikasa is still the only pre-dreadnought in-game, and hilariously bad as it is in competitive play, it's also hilariously funny, <laughs> um, uh, especially when you go with a mighty secondary build Mikasa. <laughs> so, you know, th there's plenty of pre-dreadnoughts around you could stick in as, you know, cheap Tier 2 premiums. I'd certainly play them. I'd probably collect them all as well, just for the laughs. Um yeah, and then we've got these are these other two premiums that are being introduced, um, Hampshire and Klauswitz. Yes. Now, Hampshire actually does look vaguely interesting. Yeah, well, it's basically a county class that wants to be a Tone. Oh, no, well, it's, a, it's a, oh, an Atago. Hmm. It's ba yeah, it's, well, it's a... Yeah, it's a, it's a county class that got an extra... They've stretched the hull out and gone here, have another gun, bat, gun turret. Um, although it's a reversed gun turret, but then at the same time, looking at it, it kind of looks like there's enough space under under the back of B turret for the uh, for the possibly the C turret yes. to swing it's, its guns. They're not, they're not super long barrels, so no. And then there's a that's a fair bit of overhang. I mean, it, if if that gun that C turret is able to do a complete three sixty traverse, I'd actually be quite interested in in it. Um, if it's stuck doing the old Izumo style, ah, oh, you will be angry. Um, that, I mean, do you know much about the? Was this like a serious proposal to create enlarged counties? Or no, this is a looking at. No, the the when the British were actually looking at should we build heavy cruisers again in the late thirties, Surrey was kind of the, well, it was the Surrey was the tail end of the counties. And then once you get past that, you're looking at triple eight inch, which I think is already in the game, possibly. Um, and then the ships that eventually have become uh, Drake and Goliath. And technically speaking, if you really want to get into Churchill's fever dreams, the Gibraltar, the RP ship. Mm -hmm. Um so basically, most, most if not all of the actual late 1930s British heavy cruiser ideas have already been explored in the game. Okay. This is 
Yeah, kind of. I think this is kind of a wargaming special. All right. If it's, I mean, as you say, it looks nice. It looks interesting. It could, uh, eight, it could probably play fairly well. I'd certainly be interested in seeing how it work, how it goes. But at the same time, I'm not exactly going to jump up and down and go, "Oh yes, look, it's a historical British." No, it's not. <laughs> um, if they, if they want to do a truly absurd historical British design, just break out the K25s. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned them on one of these before. I think so. Okay, you've seen a Dido. Yes. Or Dido, or whatever you want to call it. You've seen an Atlanta. Yes. Now meet the K25. That's that. That is those two turned up to eleven. Um, the 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 K25 design series. Um, at one point there there was a design that had a quadruple stack twin five point two five forward. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and another one that had four twins, four twin 5.25s, four and aft, but arranged in a stepped diamond lozenge shape. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what that would be? That would be eight, ten, twelve, fourteen 5.25s. Um, so in a quad stack forward and a triple stack aft. Or, or, or you could have the the diamond lozenge forward if you wanted to, or have the diamond lozenge forward and the diamond lozenge aft. So that would be sixteen five point two fives. Except you'd only have what a a twelve gun broadside, but you'd have an eight gun fore and aft salvo, which would be quite funny. Indeed, I might just find a picture of the the four forward turret. Yes, one which is yeah, it's a bit special. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Yeah, that that as a premium probably what tier with five point two five is probably a tier seven or something like that. Yeah, I don't I don't think you could go beyond that without some serious like no. you'd have to give it smoke like a decent smoke to put it tier eight or above. Yeah, but it would it would be quite funny to see that in the game. Again, just more 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 just to see people look at it and go, What the heck is this? <laughs> And I mean, this is this is one of the things that makes me annoyed about, uh, again, further annoyed about the Collingwood is, you know, you, you come up with these slightly odd fantasy ships. If you want something that looks weird and bizarre and will make people question your sanity, you don't need a fictional ship. Um, there are plenty of real world designs out there that are even madder than things that most people could get think you might be able to get away with. Mm-hmm. Um and this, that that being one of them. Well, I certainly didn't know they existed up until now, so uh, <laughs> I, I didn't either. It, yeah, it well, congrats, congratulations. You now know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, all that's left after that is the, uh, the previous edition of Karjavitz, which is going to be yeah. uh, Super Cruiser. Super Cruiser. Twelve point something inch guns, twelve guns. I mean, it's two ten millimeter. It says here. Yeah. So what's yeah. oh no, two ten. Sorry. So that's eight. What two ten? I think that's the same caliber as the York, but I'm not. I'm going to guess it's not the same guns as the York. Eight point two six. That's World War One caliber. 
That's almost the same caliber that Sean, the original flavor Sean Horston Godizen now had. Right. Which is okay, odd, but it's it's clearly a World War Two era design. Um, hmm. And it's super ship as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's supposed to be just a slightly bigger Hindenburg, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that at that point it is kind of yeah, it, it, it's a beyond paper design at that point, isn't it? Um, I mean, it looks like it'll be fairly interesting, probably just as an annoying to fight as a Hindenburg. Yeah, uh, one thinks it. it... And I guess this might change, but it doesn't actually have a super ship um, mechanic. It doesn't have oh, any. Oh, the charge ups. Anything yeah. Its main secondaries, anything like that. So it, it, it will just be a tier 11 Hindi, I think, essentially. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm. I mean, I, I suppose. Mean, I... <laughs> They, they they just needed it uh, more tier eleven, so they went with okay. We have no idea. Just make a hidden book slightly bigger. If give her a few more millimeter guns, cause you know, slightly bigger. Yeah. Well, they've they've already gone for the absurd super ships, super battleships for the Germans, so they can't go that route. Mm. Um, they've already got some implausible carriers, so um, and you've got the Elbing, so you know, the cruiser's the only place left to go. I suppose we've already got the kind of O-class evolutions at tier 9 with the Aegea and the Siegfried as well. Mm. Yeah. Also, I, I would say they... Basically, they, they need a lot of ships fast for the super ships, right? So they didn't have as mm. much time to put research or whatever into it, so they, they think What's they that? just mm. needed something they could throw out quickly. Considering yeah. the, the post-World War Two, especially like cruiser and battleship designs tended to to dry up reasonably fast. I mean, what, the last mm. all-gun cruiser designed... Was it like the Chapayevs that were the last ones that were designed and in service? The Sverdlovs. Sverdlovs, that was mm. it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were, they were definitely an outlier. So I think, especially with like the sort of tier 9, tier 10 German uh, cruisers being fairly fictionalized anyway, I mean, if you're going to put a tier 11 after that, it has to be even more fictional. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, a, a fair number of these um, these fictional ships. I think are they they have struck me as kind of well, we've taken our tier ten and added a thing. Yes, yeah. So it's like mostly a turret. I mean, it's like Petrie, the um, French super battleship they're testing. It's basically Republic with an extra turret. <laughs> I think that's one where I think we. Was it last week? We yeah yeah mm. they're, they're removing yeah. the uh, the uh, alternate firing mode from that whatever mm. it was it was supposed to have as well. So yeah. I think they've they've the idea that all super ships are going to have some kind of um, special different mechanic to them. I think they may have stopped that idea because it's like there's only so many gimmicks you can put in. I think. Mm. Yes. Maybe they didn't want to paint themselves into a corner with having to build everything around a gimmick. So. Yeah, well, I think, I, I, to be honest, I, I'm in two minds about them, because I think, on the one hand, they're so absurdly ahistorical, most of them, mm-hmm. that the gimmicks you know, might as well. Um, but on the other hand, 
as you say, one coming coming up with gimmicks for everyone might be a bit difficult. The second thing is because the super ships are showing up in tier ten games, it probably makes them a little bit too OP. Mm-hmm. Considering they're already bigger, nasty, meaner, more guns, etc., giving them that as well is is going to well. It, I think it probably was annoying players quite a bit. If you'd had if the if they had, and maybe they will in the future, um, like a full super ship line, a full tier eleven, if you like, line across the board, mm-hmm. then they could introduce a separate super game mode. And then maybe re-implement all the gimmicks, and then everyone could just go off and play in a corner with the super ships, killing each other with all the funny gimmicks and everything, which will be, you know, it'll be a very separate experience to main gameplay, but I can see it working in that sense. Yeah, I honestly don't know why they just didn't straight up call it Tier 11. I mean, that's what it effectively is. It, it does have... Mm amounts to tier 11 matchmaking so uh yeah it's an odd one it might just be like a marketing thing or it might just be because they maybe. they said that the highest tiers would be tier 10 maybe it's it's sort of don't want to go into promise i don't know or maybe it's because they want to rework the the economy at this tier mm-hmm. mm. It, it, you know, once upon a time, though, we thought we would never have submarines, so <laughs> things can change. Yeah, of course, yeah. but, you know, you don't need to, like, you usually try to hide the lie, right? You try to not to be so obvious about it. We said there would never be T-11 ships. We never said there wouldn't be super ships. We also <laughs> never said there wouldn't be mega, super, ultra, hyper ships. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I must admit, and I know this will probably probably get me a bit of hostility, but I'm not a hundred percent entirely sub- opposed to submarines. Um, death, death! <laughs> 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 I mean, the the thing is, well, as I know, probably preaching to the the choir with you guys, you know, having been playing the game since before it went public, you know. The idea of, oh no, this bunch of annoying things are coming up and firing torpedoes at me and ruining my day. You know, we had this with destroyers at the, uh, at the, at the beginning of the game. And then we had it with carriers. And to a certain extent, we still have it with carriers. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and now we have it with subs. Um, I, I think the, I, personally, my feeling on subs is that I can see why people get annoyed with them, but they are a they are a um a, I guess a gameplay type if you want to call it that that has a very low skill floor, but also an exceptionally high skill ceiling. Um, and I, I know mining stats doesn't really necessarily reflect everything in the game, but when you do look at the stats, like I think something like three quarters to four fifths of all sub players never break twenty k damage. At it, which point, they basically have a negligible impact on the game. Yeah, I mean, uh, they just die. That, um, that's fair. That, that definitely ties in with my sort of anecdotal experience. Of you do see a lot of sub players, you know. Near, yeah. if not at the bottom of the team list. Yeah, but when but when you get that like that one in five sub player who actually knows what he's doing, 
it's kind of there there is no middle ground it's either the sub is easy meat or just there why are there torpedoes everywhere why does it hurt so much please make it stop and um, when you experience that then yeah i can understand at that point why you'd be incredibly salty about the subs but at that point okay maybe the mechanic the invisibility mechanics are probably increasing the frustration because you're like i can't shoot back at this thing um but to be fair, if someone comes along who is really, really, really good in a game, they're going to ruin your day, whatever they're playing. I think the, the main rage, the main rage with the subs and the CVs, is that usually, at least, if somebody shows up in a cruiser or a destroyer or a battleship to ruin your day, you can at least shoot back at him. Yes, I, I, think, <laughs> yeah. I think that is the heart of the issue: is the, is, the, is the counterplay versus players that that, that really know what they're doing. The mm. thing that's always confused me is that. You know, we had an entire redesign of the CV class because we had this this mismatch between good players and bad players. And I don't think mm. a, sub, a good sub player versus a bad sub player doesn't quite have the same effect as old RTS CVs. But it's mm. it's still there is still a noticeable difference in terms of the impact they can have. So yeah, I like the fact that they went out of their way to address this with CVs, and then they've introduced a whole new class where this is a very specific issue. Still, is it's always been a bit yeah. weird to me. I mean, I, I, I try, I try and, and kind of split down the middle. If I'm, if I'm playing a sub, I try and split down the middle and go, okay, I know just by playing a sub, everyone's going to hate me in the game. But I'm just going to submerge and run at full speed down an area where I think there won't be too much sonar, and I'm going to go and hunt the carrier. Because <laughs> then the two great evils cancel each other out, <laughs> and everybody else can play happily. I suppose that's Yeah, true. but I, it takes you a long time to reach that carrier because you aren't that fast and the carrier is probably very I, far in the back. So by the time you reach it and sink it, the damage is done. I think, yeah. I think to be honest, the, my, my main gripe is, is double sub games, especially double sub games where you then have a CV in play as well. There's, there's just that, you know, th three fewer surface ships yes. does have a big impact on the gameplay. And plus you can then end up, like, if even one of those enemy subs is like worth their salt or even if they're you know you heaven forfend get a division of sub players mm. um, that that could be a pretty unpleasant experience yeah i mean they're, they're, i'm not saying subs are perfect and i'm not saying you know i'm i thoroughly embrace them because i have the same kind of rage moments when you're just like why are there torpedoes coming my way and where are my destroyers and like where where is the sonar and the hydro search and why are, why is everybody else so stupid and why am I dying to torpedoes I can't shoot back against I get it um, my as I say my only caveat is that you, you probably ruin more sub days than sub days ruin yours it's just it, you really remember the latter <laughs> um, I mean the, the problem in my in, like in my opinion is the lack of counter and that's like if you're yeah. a good player. And you meet another good player, right? You know how to sort of counter ships. And yes, there are mm. bad matchups. So like if you're in a destroyer against too much radar and so on, it's not like every ship is capable of dealing with every situation, right? Equally well. Mm. But it's there is no real counter to carriers and there's no real counter to to like submarines, right? Like with a carrier, you'd think if you pick an anti-air ship, you'd be able to shoot down the planes, but not mm -hmm. really. Like you can't really defend yourself against it. Against a submarine, mm. you can't really detect the submarine because it just dives. And yeah. even Hydra only can detect it at two kilometers. And by that point, it's so close that it just surfaces and shoves up all the torps into you. Yeah. And it's like, 
it's just incredibly frustrating game design because no matter how good you are, no matter how experienced you are, you know that there is no way to counter it. You just have to deal with it, right? And it's yeah. a lot more frustrating situation. And if, if I know that I'm in a bad matchup against like the, the, the enemy team composition or so on, then I, I, it, it's less frustrating as if knowing that nothing I could bring or do would, would be able to counter this, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And, um, I, I suppose the prob, I think the, I think the root cause of it, the problem is that we're playing a game with different classes of ships which were designed and have been designed for hundreds of years in various forms to p cooperate together. And we're in a game where it's usually 15 individuals fighting 15 individuals. Um, that's why divisions usually end up being so OP because the power of cooperation, it's like these ships are designed to cooperate together. If they start cooperating together, if you balance the game for single players and people start cooperating, everything goes to pieces very quickly. Um, but at the same time, things like ostensibly the counterplay to subs would be destroyers. But if you're not playing a destroyer, you're out of luck at the moment in the game. But if you're in a division, you know, you've got a destroyer, a cruiser, and a battleship cooperating together, it probably doesn't matter if you've got the best sub player on the planet because your destroyer friend will just hunt him down with his hydro, and then you, the other two can just drop uh, depth charge planes on him. But that is team play in a game where you don't usually have team play. So to, um, to say to most people, oh, well, the counterplay to subs is team play. Well, that, that actually might as well, you might as well say that the counterplay to subs is wishful thinking. Because <laughs> it's not going to happen. See, here's the problem. Subs counter destroyers, not the other way around. Most destroyers don't even have hydro, which means they can't even detect the sub. They have no chance of detecting a sub. The subs outspot mm. the destroyers, so the subs can keep the destroyer spotted. And the destroyer gets just focused down. Subs are so incredibly fast that even if you know where it is, you probably can't catch up with your depth charges and actually drop it. And if mm. you're very close quarters, if you're charging a sub that comes towards you, the sub can easily one-shot the destroyer and the destroyer can't do anything about it. So a good mm. submarine counters a destroyer. If you want to have a chance in a destroyer, you need one of the few that have hydro. There are some these days, mm. but not all, because then at least you can have some way of detecting the sub. But even then, even if you keep running after it with hydro, it's comical because the sub's so fast that you very, very slowly try to catch up with hydro because you can't do anything unless you basically overtake it and then drop the depth charges. So you're utterly relying on somebody with planes to come in. Yeah, no, was, and that's fair. I'd say it's it's kind of yeah. It, it's it. They're, they're a ship class where the best counterplay is friends, and yeah, it's it's that's not going to happen in well, a lot of the time. So yeah, it, it, it is, random teammates is um, <laughs> yeah a variable experience. Might as well just might as well just blow yourself <laughs> up and <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'm. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I kind of like playing subs, but at the same time, I wouldn't miss them if they were gone. I think. Hey, I, I mean, in my more strident moments, I just grumble and think, right, I want them out of the game. I just want them gone. No more subs. But when I'm feeling a bit more reasonable, I do acknowledge that uh, there are modes in which, like you know, convoy and like it, it, modes that were built around the idea of subs. Um. 
that that they actually potentially could be quite mm. fun. You know, operations are absolutely a prime example. A sub based yeah. operation could actually be really quite fun. Mm. But that that then becomes you know that's a much more constructed experience. That's a a thing that's been built around specifically subs and sub mechanics, and so you don't have this this mismatch that you potentially have with trying to stick them in randoms and random behavior of random other players that are playing with you and uh, yeah so yeah they could have a place in the game I just that place I don't think it should be in my random matches yes yeah maybe it may be some kind of special unlock ship or something yeah yeah. I mean we'll just have to see how it goes um, Hopefully they take the feedback and don't completely <laughs> shoot on them. Yes. It's... Hopefully. Mm. Yeah. Oh well. We, we, we'll we'll have to see. I'm uh, I'm much more excited for the British battle cruisers, to be honest. Definitely. Um, and I mean, you say that now, but you just wait until they introduce the K3. Or was it the K3? The steam-powered sub. Oh yeah, the K class. <laughs> No, no, you see, that's what they should do. Instead of trying to have subs as, like, genuine underwater threats with torpedoes and stuff, they should just introduce the comedy series, have subs as the comedy. So you have have M, M, M1 and M, uh, yeah, M1 with its ridiculous 12-inch gun. Um, and <laughs> yeah. M2 and I-400, the submarine aircraft carriers. Uh, and Sir Koof with the uh, with the with the twin eight inch guns, and X One with its its pair of five point five inch guns, and um, and like you say, and the K class with their complete inability to decide whether they're up, down, or in between, and like the fifteen minute <laughs> dive time. Introduce those, and no one will have a problem with with subs because they'll be hilariously easy to kill, and the the one the they'll die so amusingly that even the sub players won't mind and on the rare occasion they actually accomplish something everyone will be so shocked dash and dash you know rolling off off their seat in laughter no one's going to care <laughs> so let, let, let's face it if a submarine pops up next to you at point like 300 meters and drops a 12 inch shell into you before disappearing or being run over by a destroyer everybody's going to be having a laugh <laughs> yeah i think i think that's the solution a comedy relief line yeah, comedy subs. You have a little timer on the K class. It's like this sub will be diving in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it takes three quarters of the battle to if you want to submerge. <laughs> oh dear. So um, I think that that's about it. Really, I think they've covered uh, everything we just yeah. about wanted to. There's been it's been kind of a light week in terms of news, so we thought it would Darius. be a really good opportunity to get you on to have a more substantial yeah. chat. There is a small matter that there is a recent thread there on, on the forums where Wargaming mm-hmm. has explained how super containers work these days. So oh, basically, yes, yes. we're going to briefly touch on that as well. Yes. Yeah, it's it's just very brief. So basically, if if you uh, if you get your daily containers, you get a certain amount of points, and you need to reach a random number between one. Uh, between zero and 100 and once you reach that number you get a super container and then that number gets rerolled so it could be that like you need 50 points to reach a super container that means every crate gives you 1.5 points and once you get to 50 then you get a super container it gets rerolled maybe next time it takes a 70 points or whatever so there is basically a maximum number of containers that you 
it can pull and then you definitely get a super container. But there yeah. is no, the, the, the trial luck containers give you 4.5 points and the regular containers give you 1.5 points. It's interesting to, to see the thinking behind it in that, um, okay, it's not totally random. You, you're never going to get, you know, like five super containers in a row. But at the same time, you're never going to go for too long without getting a super container, so long as you're playing the game enough to get the daily container drops. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's actually a fairly, a, a fairly balanced way of, of doing things, to be honest. It's uh, quite... yeah. Reasonable, all things considered. Mm. And, and you now also know that getting trial luck containers gets you the next super container three times as fast as pulling regular ones. Yes. And oh. uh, there is there is a certain addition here later. Basically, all containers that that you open sort of count. So if you make a mission or something, and you get uh, you get like ten random con like credit containers or whatever. They count towards your progress towards your next super container. Does that, does it say it includes bought containers? Because that would be interesting. You could potentially, like, if that, if that they, was They true, say, yeah, could... all containers, such as more credits, resources, trial luck, are progressing through the bar. It doesn't matter how you obtained the container. For example, in previous update, there were consecutive bundles for the balloons, and there were something like 20 resource containers in one bundle. And, yeah, that, that progresses you towards a super container. So potentially you could, in some circumstances, spend some doubloons, buy some containers, and actually increase your progress towards... Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, there, there's always an element of RNG in, in all of these things, but the fact that there's like a, you know... That it, it, I think it's probably... A, it's a good idea to be able to go, yeah, you buy... A, x number or you open x number of containers eventually you are going to end up with a super container by arbitrary point rather than you know you you could end up opening containers till the end of time and if the numbers if the dice gods are against you mm -hmm. you get nothing that that's that's definitely a bit more welcome yeah so it, you that there is a limit how unlucky you can get now basically yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which is which is yeah, you know, that's never a bad thing. Um, or you could just you know play enough that you don't need to get super containers. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are going to be super disappointed once you open that super container anyway. It's, yes, this is true. Yeah, uh, but you know, most often it's going to be flags. But I think I've actually had one or two this year where it's been like, oh, here's a thousand doubloons, which is always quite nice. It's been a while since I've gotten a ship from a super container, but that's largely to do with the fact that while I was a CC, you know, we, we mm. got an awful lot of the ships given to us anyway. So it's you collect, collected enough of them that uh, it was just the the game was probably just like you've got a uh, 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 oh here's some demands. <laughs> 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 just imagine it's going through. It's like, oh, we don't want to give him that one. We're just opening um, it like a Missouri. Yeah, also having a quick glance at the end. I think this was also mentioned in the in-game chat. So just just some very brief news. There's also a Huron design. Uh, like we were talking about community camo, community design cameras before. So there's actually mm. one going on at the moment for the Huron, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, let's see, submission deadline fourth of June, 
and then the winners are announced on the 14th of June after the voting process. So um, that's available if you want to try your hand at uh, uh, scribbling away on the little template they've, the design template they've provided. Uh, there's also uh, a compensation article for, uh, I, I didn't notice this myself, but they said they had some server issues in the last day, so you can hop on and get a, a Wargaming container, which will give Dave premium and some flags. Which that's, that's Just nice. in case you hadn't noticed that on the portal. Fair enough. So right. I think that's that's just about it. So as ever, where, where can we find you, Mr. Drickin as well? Um, I remain on uh, on on YouTube uh, and as Drakinafel. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter because apparently you have to have at least one form of social media. Um, so yeah, if you want to see me being snarky in 180 characters, <laughs> that's usually where to find me. Uh, but yeah, most mostly on YouTube. Um, there's also a Discord server uh, where you can meet like-minded naval history people and talk about things um and yeah that's basically me uh, other than to mention in the uh, um potential event that anybody listening is from canada um i am going to be in canada for a week um in a couple of weeks time heading up to okay. canada in on friday the third so exactly two weeks from today like, um, you're not long back from the u.s as well no i mean that took me a week to recover fortunately this is only a week's <laughs> trip and I don't have to change time zones four times in five days, which, yeah. you know, is always a plus. Um, so, yeah, obviously going to see Hyder, uh, going to see Sackville, a couple of other places as well. Might pop down across the border to see the Sullivans after she's been fished out of the water after she prematurely sank. Um, so, yeah, that should be fun. See see what America's hat is like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or, or, or maybe I'm going to travel to the real country after having seen Canada's trousers. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one will probably go down better with the locals. <laughs> Possibly. Mm. So, yeah, that, that's that's me. And uh, for, for anyone that isn't somehow subscribed to Drax Channel, the latest one is on uh, uh, a, a ship that's... It's very relevant to uh, Warship fans. It's on the Alaska class. So yes. I, and I, I, I would like that. to say on public record, um, I hadn't actually gotten around to watching Jingle's video on them. It's in my to watch later list. And I'm now slightly scared to do so because half the comments were just like, oh, you tell Jingle's it's not a bad cruise. It's like, I honestly did not time this. Okay? <laughs> I had this video in production for a long time. It was ready to go. I put it up there. It is completely coincidental. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know how many people believe that, but it is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, and with that totally not conspiracy, yeah. we wish you all a good night, I guess. Yeah. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.